Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, part three, NFL season preview. We have another outstanding guest in line for today. Uh, If you missed uh, parts one and two, they will be evergreen until we kick off for the season in week one. We had... uh, Stop right now. Go listen to them, yes. (laughs) You haven't missed anything. You can catch up. And we we did, you know, and and welcome, of course, to the podcast as always, Andy. Um, We did a, a concerted effort to try to get these done early in the preseason so that uh, as people are traveling through the month of August, they can kind of tune in at their leisure. Uh, You know, these have been about two hours of pop, uh, which I know can be tough for some people, but in reality, like we finished these and talked to the guests and been like, man, I felt like we could have gone on for another two hours. Uh, And next year we'll probably do it in a way where we break these up division by division. Um, But that said, we have two very, very competitive, very fun to talk about divisions on tap for you today, the listeners. Uh, and we have a new voice, a guy who has been uh, friends with us behind the scenes, discussing handicapping uh, going on several years now. Uh, he is uh, someone that um, I'm sure, you know, he, he, gar- he garners an incredible amount of respect uh, in the handicapping space and uh, will provide un- uh, untold amount of insight uh, and I'll, I'll tell a little story after the introduction here, but um, for the first time ever, welcome to the to the uh, deep dive, Mr. B-Picks. How's it going? It is going phenomenally well. Uh, give the folks a little bit of an introduction into where they can find you and uh, and sort of kind of, you know, some of your background. How long you've been doing this and uh, how long you've been posting content on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sports. I, uh, I've been doing capping and sports modeling for about seven, eight years now, but have been a fan probably my whole life. Uh, you know, about seven, eight years ago, I realized that you can start to figure out a little bit of what might happen in sports by looking at trends, correlations, stats, and all that. I started, but I didn't start posting on Twitter until about three, four years ago, where I was actually fortunate enough to pair up with the great Christian Pina and we ran together for a while and, you know, been doing it ever since been, you know, lucky enough to be friends with some very good people behind the scenes, including the two of you guys, Andy, as much as you hate to admit it, I know we're friends, but, uh, <laughs> besties. he's, a, he's a softy deep down. He, he has a soft spot for me. I know it, but, uh, no, all is, uh, good been doing this for a while excited that it's finally nfl season because i just cannot watch baseball anymore and have that be the only sport to bet on um yeah and is baseball uh, is baseball still going on is it i heard the I cubs did something I, last night i lost track of it after the all-star game we after after the uh, home run derby pool uh that's kind of the highlight of my baseball season and i kind of kind of uh, tune out after after the uh, home run derby um, there's, but, a, there's, uh, a break, there's a definite hard break for me between the all-star game and like the playoffs i get really into it come playoff time again but oh absolutely absolutely yeah well, but yeah, the, as the as fall it's, classic it's NFL the fall classic time. the fall classic is no joke one of the funnest uh, times of the year and be i i mean i don't know i power ranking the 
the months as far as being a, a gambler, the month of October is number one, uh, and it's not close for me. Um, oh, by the, far. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, as, as you know, the the expertise you bring in terms of football. Um, for those who haven't followed you, who don't know you, um, I'll tell a quick story here. <laughs> the, uh, and in fact, uh, I particularly wanted uh, BP to come on for the NFC East pod for a very specific reason. Um, oh, you're making me nervous. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, not only are you East Coast guy, uh, you're a New York guy. Um, and you have a really good, you know, really good feel for the NFC East, which is like the, you know, I mean, that's, that's, this is the, this is the blue blood division of all of football. Um, you know, other divisions can claim, you know, that they're, they have broader fan base, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're talking about three, three of the five most valuable franchises and the Eagles who probably should be in the discussion for, uh, among the most valuable or at least mo- most well-run, most primed to be relevant for the next 10 years based on their coach GM uh, ownership situation. Um, and so, you know, the NFC East matters a ton. Uh, and so as we were thinking of like trying to line up guests, I was like, okay, who's really got a feel for the NFC East? I thought back to when we did the Mills pod last year. You remember that last July? We yeah, were doing uh, get a grip with the mill. And uh I will never forget this because you were alone on an island stumping hard for the Philadelphia Eagles. We started that pod and the Eagles were like, the Eagles were expected to be like a seven win team last year. And I think, you know, we got into the discussion. We started with the NFC East. And the first thing you said was, you know, Hey, we got to start with the Eagles. Like this team is criminally underrated. They are absolutely going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NFL this year. The, you, I think you had, you know, you were sending client plays out at that time. And I think you were saying, you know, Hey, look, this is the strongest recommendation we gave to our clients is Eagles wins over. Uh, and I think that cashed by what week 10. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it's it was nice incredible. When it works out exactly how you want it to. It was incredible. And I mean, I, I, I literally like the points you made were so specific and so sharp that I was like, I need to rethink my take on the Eagles because I was kind of like, nah, you know, like, yeah, you know, Carson Wentz is, is fine. But, you know, they got a tough division. The The Cowboys and the Giants made the playoffs last year and the, the Redskins have some talent and they're a little underrated. So, yeah, maybe the Eagles. I don't know. And uh, but your case was so strong. And, you know, just overall, and I I feel like we were both on the same page that the Giants were going to absolutely shit themselves last year. But, uh, but you know, we had some good discussion about the Cowboys and uh, and the Redskins as well. So figured you are the perfect person to come on to help us handicap the NFC East. Start with the, uh, the world champion Eagles. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. If you came from the future and you showed up at my door and you handed me the Patriots uh, offensive box scores from that game and you said, how would you like to bet this game? Uh, I would be bankrupt right now because I would have taken, you know, I would have taken double and triple mortgages out to get as much money down on the Patriots as possible. Um, in this economy, <laughs> actually, so, rates aren't bad. So, yeah, no, the, the same thing. Like they had a pretty good offensive game. That's uh, it was a, it was a weird, a weird stretch there for a while where it's felt like, oh, the Eagles are are going to win it all. They're so good. And then Wentz goes down by like, Oh, it's the Rams year. All of a sudden really opened up for the Rams Vikings maybe. And then none of it mattered. The Eagles still came through. Yeah. And I mean, I dude, we did a pod at the beginning of the playoffs and I was like, look, every, I think everybody 
in the NFC has a chance to win the Super Bowl except for Philadelphia. <laughs> like when no, you when said the, that. I definitely said that at one point, and I, I definitely, you know, I thought to myself, you know, hey, look, like, you know, Nick Foles, you know, God bless you, like, you know, you get back after it next year with the healthy, uh, you know, with the healthy Carson Wentz. But, um, but what Doug Peterson pulled off, and granted, he had a phenomenal staff, uh, especially his offensive support staff. Uh, what he pulled off as far as a coaching, um, you know, show of, of, of modern, you know, coaching approach uh, was truly spectacular. Uh, and I really, you know, I, I got to have to I have to say, you know, you have to put him in the conversation because there's bad coaches all over the NFL. Uh, this league. Actually, holy shit. We're talking about the AFC North yeah, after you, the NFC. You, yeah, we're going to talk about three of them. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Well, we'll get into we'll get into we'll get some into of some bad coaching. And I mean, it's a some. good it's a good segue as far as uh, the coaching staff they had last year. And you know, we're obviously we're getting pretty deep into their run last year. But we're gonna talk about the Eagles this year. And the coaching staff, besides the top, it does look a little different. And I mean, not only the you know the coordinator, but the Philip. What do we what do we we're gonna call him? Flip. We call him Flip. Yeah, Flip. Flip is gone. Yep. Flip. I mean, the Cardinals and Bears requested to interview him for a head coaching job. He was pretty highly <laughs> thought of. Like the people, people are all over that staff. So it, you lose some, you lose some, you lose some firepower in the in the coaching room there uh, on the offense, especially. And it, you know, it's not the not the only team where that happened to. That's just a product of success. So I don't know how much that'll affect them. They still have a lot of pieces, but. I'm still on the slight regression train for the Eagles, I guess. Yeah, so that's actually the perfect jumping off point. You have lots of question marks in at the quarterback position with Wentz coming off injury. Foles has not been healthy this whole preseason. You have a new offensive coordinator because uh, your offensive coordinator went and took the head coaching job in Indianapolis. Your quarterback's coach went and took the offensive coordinator job in Minnesota. Um, you have a little bit of a of a strained relationship between your head coach, Doug Peterson, who I got to think is probably top five NFL head coach. But that said, it's, it's, he's has a strained relationship with his defensive coordinator uh, in Jim Schwartz, who tried to execute some sort of a coup early in the season last year. Uh, and uh, all, all, you know, and you have, you have uh, kind of the disease of more as uh, who used to say the disease of more. Was that a Pat Riley quote, PP? You remember that? From back in the day, uh, after you win a championship, the disease of more. I think it's Pat Riley with the Lakers. The Showtime Lakers was the disease of more, but I can't remember. Um, there's the opportunity that there's a little bit of a letdown. Uh, you have a tougher schedule uh, now that you're playing a first place schedule. They had like a third place or something. Was it a third place or a fourth place schedule last year? I can't remember. But uh, they now clearly have uh, a much more difficult schedule. They've been put in some difficult, disadvantageous situations. Well, they, they, it was um, a last place schedule. They finished. It was the last place. Fourth. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So BP, I guess, is it fair to look at this Philadelphia season as a potential for regression? Or are they a class above as an organization that will then carry them to repeat success of some sort? I mean, I think that when you talk about any Super Bowl champion and especially how hard it is to repeat, not just in football, but any sport, you know, I think that there's obviously a huge opportunity for them to regress. But I have to admit that I'm high on them again this year. I I know that the coaching staff has turned over. I know that they've had some departures in their backfield. But at the end of the day, 
the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl gets the best offseason addition in getting Carson Wentz back. There's not a single more meaningful player outside of maybe Andrew Luck rejoining a team come week one than Carson Wentz. I mean, when he went down in week 14, he had a 7.5% pass TD rate last year. That would have been the 17th highest all time. So you're talking about a guy who's an elite quarterback, top five, in with a franchise with Howie Roseman at the helm. You've got, you know, Peterson as a coach who have proven that they're well run. They know what they're doing. Now, do I think that they're locked to win the Super Bowl? By no means. But do I think that they're a class above everyone else in their division? Yeah. And I think that the, you know, the latest number I saw was once anywhere from 175 to 200. I think that that is a fair number for this team. They're over under 10.5. I am going to be personally on the over. They only have to go on yeah. the road back to back once all season. They alternate going into their bye week. They've got, you know, if they can get through Atlanta, they get Tampa Bay, then they get Indy at home, then they go to Tennessee. So at worst, I see them going into week five at three and one. You know, I, I like this team and it gives Wentz the opportunity to come back in, assuming he's healthy. You know, they did sign some pieces. They did get Richard Rogers in. They have this guy, Dallas Goder, who's been a stud in their camp. And, you know, they're, they're kind of loaded back up. Yeah. So my gut reaction when I saw the win total open at 10 and a half was, uh, boy, that's high. Uh, and I thought about it some more and I was like, yeah, but the NFL is still pretty stupid. Uh, and if you have a smart coaching staff and if you have a talented roster, this is talented as Philadelphia, um, you know, maybe 10 and a half is, is a gift, you know, like if, 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 uh, if early in the Belichick, uh, you know, Brady regime, if you caught a number like 10 and a half, uh, you probably, you bet the over on that uh, in say 2003, 2004, you know, all the way through the, you know, the middle years of their dynasty. I think you were, you know, you, you were successful more than you weren't. And that was born a lot out of just that, you know, those key pillars were all so sound. Um, BP, does your opinion of the Eagles win total change at all? Uh, if Wentz is not healthy and out there week one? Out there week one, no. Not out there week five, yes. I think that okay. kind of as I alluded to earlier, they do have the easier part of their schedule does feel like the first third to me. So I do think that with their talent and foals, they should be able to be okay if he's not there. But if we start to get to like the halfway point in the season, he's not there, especially given how competitive the NFC is going to be. Yeah, I would start to get concerned. But again, when you have the talent like you do, you have the coaching staff that you do and the experience that a lot of these guys have. These guys now all know what it's like to win. They know what it takes. That if they can find a way to make the playoffs, they're still going to have a shot. Yeah. So, you know, I won't feel as good about the win total, but I would still feel good about them finding a way. Okay. Andy, uh, does, uh, I guess... <laughs> What is the range of expectations for Wentz coming off this ACL? What percent likelihood does he come back and he's the Wentz we saw through the first uh, 13 weeks last year? I don't think it's going to be there right away. I don't know. Even the best quarterbacks, when it's so it's so mental for some people when you have an injury of that magnitude and you, you just have to learn to trust yourself and, and stand up. You, you might get a little happy feet in the pocket. 
And it's not even like he took a sack. This was on a, a run play when he got crunched. Honestly, one of the weirdest ways to tear an ACL is just to get so bizarre. mashed between. Because somebody texted me after that injury. They're like, what do you think happened? I'm like, I don't know what breaks when you get your legs smashed like that. He might have crushed bones for all I know. So I don't know. I'm not obviously not a doctor. I don't know if that makes any difference how it was done, if it was such a contact injury and just got mashed like that. But I've heard reports of, you know, there people are very worried about his mobility, you know, being able to move away from pressure and create plays like he was big. That was such a big part of his game. He, he's not just huge. This, so huge. He's not just his pocket passer. He needs to move around, make things happen. Some of the biggest plays, you remember against Seattle? It was oh, like yeah. he was sacked and he just came out of came out of there out of nowhere and and threw a touchdown it was there's some some amazing things he can do with his feet and if that's not right all the all the other parts of his game aren't going to matter as much and it's going to be it's going to be a struggle for them possibly especially if they're they're already having some issues with their with their receivers getting injured if they have any injuries and he's not right it could be a it could be a nine win season which mm. i mean they're still it's like BP said, get them in the playoffs. They're still a dangerous team. They've got a great coaching staff. They've got the experience. It's if, if I'm them, I'm just trying to get through the season uninjured, get 10, 10 wins, get into the playoffs and try to do it all over again. So much. Uh, so BP, so much of their success in the playoffs specifically really was born out of having home field advantage. I felt like uh, if you take that Atlanta game and you put it in Atlanta, I don't think they win. If you take that uh, Minnesota game and you put it in Minnesota, I don't know that it's as it's absolutely not as lopsided. I mean, Minnesota being on the road in that environment clearly sh- you know, shook those guys um, is uh, you know, is there pressure on this team to, you know, to put up, uh, the type of wins that we were talking about to go over in order to give themselves a chance to repeat. Yeah. And I, I think that for them, a lot of it's going to be settling into the season and refocusing on, you know, regular season wins, which, you know, as we've talked about with teams that go on to win championships, it's very hard for them sometimes to get up for just an average game. When your last game was the most important game you'll ever play, it's hard to just wake up because it's week two and you're in Tampa Bay and have to go play <laughs> a bad Tampa Bay team, right? Yeah, so, yeah, oh yeah. But although that said, I don't think the Eagles could lose to Tampa Bay if they tried. You know, I think that at the end of the day, this is a team that's going to have to focus, and a lot of that falls on the coaching staff. And I think that that coaching staff is very strong, even though they've lost some important pieces to it. Of course, a coaching staff is not just the people at the head of the staff. The coaching staff is the entirety of everyone in that organization. And that organization itself is very strong and they're going to continue to push the players. They're not going to accept, you know, slacking off. And I think that that's part of where that comes from. And it's on them to focus these guys because they have the talent. That's not what we're arguing. We're arguing whether they get up for it and, that's an organizational thing. And I have faith in the Eagles organization and they've given me no reason to doubt that to this point. That's, it's a great, that's a great, great way to break that down. Uh, I agree with uh, most of the sentiment here. And I want to point out that, you know, they got, they had an organization that took chances last year. They took chances in a lot of ways and they were rewarded for every chance they took, which would then you would expect that that would, you know, lead them to, you know, kind of repeat in their, their thinking about how they approach, you know, in-game situational stuff and, and, and try to 
you know, continue to push the envelope and, and make the most out of, um, you know, what seems to be a pretty worthwhile investment in sort of the analytics and even more than the analytics, just the, the basic math of, of how you go about um, increasing your, your opportunity to win uh, in, you know, an NFL football game. Um, I will say also that uh, Wentz's, you, Andy brought up a great point about Wentz's mobility being such a huge part of his game last year. There was, I can, I can think of off the top of my head, the win that they had against the, uh, the Redskins, the win that they had against the um, Carolina Panthers in both of those games, pivotal drives were extended, you know, you know, Carson Wentz, it was able to elude, um, elude sacks, uh, scramble to get uh, for, for key first downs. Um, and, you know, in the middle of the season, it was kind of a mixed I don't know. At least I had mixed feelings. I was like, this guy's Houdini. You know, this guy's modern day Houdini. He's escaping everything. Uh, and then at the same time, it was like, this guy's asking for it. He is putting his himself in harm's way. He is asking to get hurt. Uh, and then lo and behold, he tears his ACL in, in LA. Um, do you think that one, I guess BP this, do you think number one, the success that they were able to find in the high leverage situations where they went for it, are they going to be able to repeat that level of success uh, in particular with a Carson Wentz at the helm who may be a little gun shy about going for it or a little gun shy about getting that extra yard or two, especially given the way he tore his ACL uh, and uh, just based on the randomness of, uh, you know, whether you're able to convert those fourth and two type of situations in general. You know, I can't with a, a straight face say that I think that they can achieve it at the rate that they did last year. I mean, la- last year, everything fell into line for them. Let's call a spade a spade. Everything that could go right outside of losing wins, which is obviously catastrophically bad, went right for them. Their backup quarterback comes in and plays better than any other quarterback in the playoffs. So, you know, when we talk about those high leverage situations and them doing well, no, I can't confidently say that they'll repeat that success. But I think that they'll put themselves in that situation enough that they won't have to have that level, you know, in order to succeed. Now, that makes sense. Like, I think that they're good enough to be in those situations enough that even if they don't make it as many times, they'll make up for it in the quantity of times in which they put themselves in that situation based on the talent that they've comprised and the coaching staff that they have that will get them to motivate to be there at that moment. That makes total sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Okay. All right. That I, I think that's I think that's a fair way to defend taking an over position on this team. Uh and and before we move off the Eagles, we've spent like 10 minutes now talking about their offense and wins and blah, blah, blah. We haven't mentioned their defense at all. Um they still they return a reasonably strong unit with uh, at least you know, especially in the areas that matter most. Uh they have some some true strengths. You know, this, you know that, this D, D, that D line rotation. That D line rotation, rotation is awesome. Is, yes, and, and it's it might not even be the best one. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it might yeah. be third best league, and it's still sick. That's it's, it's going to be a problem yeah. for people. So, do you think though that the defense is good enough to carry this team to a couple wins in tighter in games that would be tighter than otherwise? I mean, like it's we're we're splitting hairs a bit. Like Philadelphia flew over their win total last year, they would fly over the current win total with the way they performed last year, right? And if we're saying, well, yeah, the margins are going to be tighter, some things that worked out might not work out, blah, blah, blah. Are we talking about the difference between 13 and 11 wins here? Because, like, 11 wins gets you there. Uh, and can the defense 
you know, carry them in some, you know, cause, oh yeah. And like, by the way, like a lot of their wins last year were not close calls. They blew doors off a bunch of teams. And you know, this, this, this is uh this may be like, you know, we may be making more out of kind of the margins here uh, and sort of an average season for what looks to be a great team and a great organization, and a great coach, you know, maybe 10, 10 and a half wins is, is legitimately too low. I don't know. I'm kind of talking myself into over 11 wins here at plus 141. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you, any final thoughts on Philadelphia and the defense, PP? Uh, I actually will say that I'm lower on their defensive moves than I am on their offensive kind of prowess. I, I think that they are going to feel some of the defensive movement. I didn't really get the Bennett move entirely. I thought that I would have rather seen them sign the kind of guys they had versus go after kind of a hot and cold kind of commodity like that. And I think that the loss of Patrick Robinson, which no one's going to talk about is actually going to hurt them a little bit. You know, he was really good in the slot for them last year. That is a great point. And because of their team as a whole, like that kind of never really got discussed because they were, as you said, they were blowing the doors off people. I think Patrick Robinson leaving hurts them. I think that they also have to figure out the chemistry on the defense again. And that's Hmm. not as, you know, guaranteed. Interesting. you know, and by the way, Eagles won the Super Bowl, but had they lost the Super Bowl, their defense did not show up. In the biggest moment of the year, their defense did not show. That's they true. They got the doors blown off of them. They made Nick Foles put up like 72 touchdowns and out to outlast Tom Brady. If you would have shown, and you said earlier on, if you would have shown the box score of the Patriots to yourself, who do you bet on? If you would have showed Patriots it to Coach Peterson. Who do you think he would have bet on? <laughs> like, they yeah, had right, right, right. Seven hundred right. yards. The yeah. defense completely let them down, and now they did make up for it by getting the strip sack at the end. The, five, they made whatever. the one play they needed to make one play, and they made it. Yeah, right. But it's crazy, you know. So yeah, I'm a little worried about their defense. But that said, that offense can grind you out. And it's going to be very hard to play with this team for the full four quarters. You have to deal with that. It's going to be exhausting to play this team this year. And that's going to be a factor. Right before the bye, well, week eight spot is interesting. They, uh, they send the team first time ever Philadelphia head in the the UK. Uh, Jacksonville, as we know, goes every year. Uh, they're very comfortable there. Uh, this is a really interesting spot for Jacksonville. Um, BP, are you with me on Jacksonville week eight to uh, upset Philadelphia before the bye? Or do you think Philly is the type of team that uh, will have a plan in place to be prepared to play in London, even though they've never done it before? Uh, I'll take this one step further. This is going to be some low bait Vegas bullshit minus two and a half for the Eagles (laughs) line. And they're losing this game outright. This game, there's no way that Vegas doesn't bait Eagles money here because I think that this screams Jacksonville right before their bye week. And then they have Dallas at that point, they should already probably have five, six wins, feel good about themselves. I -hmm. couldn't agree with you more on this point. And I think that that's going to be a very big trap game for the amateur casual better. Who's going to see a low Eagles line and say, Oh, this is great. I get the Super Bowl champs. They're six and two and they're minus two and a half. Awesome. Yeah. That's going to be really tough. That's going to be a okay. really, really tough game for them. I can't wait for that one. Uh, the the Speaking of not a cake, though, uh, Andy, the last four games, they have to yeah, go no, on the road. Rough. Three of four. That's rough, yeah. Uh, week 
we're going to talk about this next team in a second, the Dallas Cowboys. That week 14 spot is maybe my favorite spot of the year to back any team. And it's Dallas against the, uh, uh, the Eagles. Um, Dallas gets extra rest coming off of Thursday night football in the same week that the Eagles have to do a quick turnaround off of Monday night football. This, uh, this imbalance of rest, uh, we saw it twice last year, both times the, um, uh, the team with the extra rest was, uh, you know, was the victor both, uh, against the spread. And I believe one outright, um, we, we should probably we should probably start talking about the Cowboys here. Yeah, let's move on to the Cowboys. On, we're, yes. Yeah, we're working on 25 minutes of Eagle talk. Sorry, rest of the division. <laughs> we'll pull, we'll keep going. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. The only last. Point. Can we take it? I do. I do. Game? I do love that point, though. Yeah. If if yeah, the you know, just be wary if you're if you if we've talked you into some serious positions on the Eagles on this segment. Uh, just be wary that they're three of their. Uh, three of their last four games are on the road. Their one home game is against Houston and Deshaun Watson potentially. Uh, so there's uh, there's some landmine in the last quarter of the season for this Eagles team, and uh, you could potentially uh, see some heartbreak if you're holding a ten and a half ticket and they're you know let's say they're nine and nine and three heading into that stretch or something like that. Um, let's talk about the Cowboys. Two years ago, the Cowboys clinched the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, in impressive style with an absolutely un, uh, you know, unbeatable performance from their offensive line. Their rookie quarterback came in and wowed, exceeded expectations at every, at, in, every, in every facet of his game. Uh, their rookie running back, Zeke Elliott, um, made a strong case for why he should have been an early pick in the draft, even though some of us think that that was a complete and utter mistake by the Cowboys to draft him that early. Um, all that said, they win like what thirteen and three two years ago, or twelve and four, something like that. They were, they they won a they won a boatload more games than they were expected to. Uh, and then one year ago, the conversation that almost everyone had who was handicapping the NFL was: here comes the regression for the Cowboys. They are going to have a tougher schedule. Uh, Dak's not actually very good. Uh, Zeke Elliott has a looming suspension. Uh, the offensive line probably isn't going to be as as, light, as lucky with injuries. And almost every one of those uh, points came to fruition last year as the Cowboys underachieved their win total, did not make the playoffs. And uh, amazingly, Jason Garrett did not pay a price for that. Uh, and that point alone yeah, has, me a little, has me a little cool on getting behind the Cowboys to come back on, uh, uh, you know, come, come back and, and have a bounce back season this year. Um, we saw them open the win total at eight and a half. Uh, it has taken money uh, to the under, uh, but not much. Under eight, eight and a half is about minus 125 juice. And uh, the Cowboys hit a plus 385 to win the East uh, BP. Is there a case to back the Cowboys to win this division uh, on the basis of some of the uh, kind of coming back on on some of the regression that we saw clear as day last year? Yeah, I, I think they're the third best team in this division. I personally have the Giants above them. And Wow. Wow. Oh, man. We're going to get into some interesting discussions. Let's keep moving. Go, go. Keep going. Keep going. So... I, I actually think that eight and a half number is really fair. And I think that two years ago, everything went right. 
and they went 13 and three or 12 and four, whatever we want to decide on. And, you know, they <laughs> fell off of that last year. And yes, you could argue that Zeke had the suspension and you could argue that, you know, obviously when he was in there, like they are, they're a better team with him on the field than with him off the field. But at the end of the day, like this is a team where, yes, they had Smith get injured on the line, but that line did not hold up for them. And, you know, they're run first team. And I don't think that Dak has proven that he can really help them on the offense. And teams are starting to stack the box against Zeke. They know that the Cowboys are going to run the ball. They ran the ball in 50% of their plays when the game was neutral within a touchdown. You know, they're va- the Cowboys lost 56% of their targets from last year when they lost Witten and Dez and everyone. That's 272 targets they have to make up. And while I will give Michael Gallup the shout out, which I know our friend VR is going to, you know, be super high on this year. Yes, um, yes, yes. You know, yes, yes, rightfully yes. so. I think, right, I think rightfully <laughs> I like so. Him. Yeah. I, I like him a lot, but you're talking about a third round pick being a potential wide receiver one on an offense that lost 60% of its passing offense, which is second only to Baltimore, who we're going to talk about later. Two years mm. ago, they were fifth in total offense, fifth in scoring offense. Last year, they're 14th in both. And that's partially because they're running the ball so much. They're third in run play percentage, 48% last year. And they're going to have the fifth hardest strength of schedule against the run this year. So they have a, they have a schedule that's literally catered to beat them and force them to pass the ball. And I don't really believe that Zach can, he was pressured that can, sorry. He was pressured 37% of the time last year. That was ninth worst in the NFL. And, you know, unless they are going to open it up a little bit and gallop, you know, really exceeds and, you know, Tavon Austin runs jet sweep touchdowns, you know, all that's great. And Alan Hearns all of a sudden actually. The player yeah. The I was going to say we're, we're missing Alan. Yeah. Out, look, he, he is so frustrating because you want him to be so much better than he's been um, in my opinion. And, you know, he's got upside, but Dak also has to get him the ball and Dak, his whole career, even when they went 13 and three was not good down the field, hmm. you know? So you know, that's kind of where I sit on them. I think that the eight and a half is a super fair number. I could see this team easily going eight and eight, seven, nine, nine and seven. Like all of those are kind of interchangeable for me just because I don't really have faith that Dak's going to come in and lead this team again. And I hate their coach. Hmm. The fact that he's still their coach is unbelievable. It is. It's unforgivable that they didn't move on. That team. Yeah. I for I for sure agree on the Garrett stuff. I hate the play calling, but I I see them being closer to their 2016-13 win team than the garbage that was last year. And just th- the offensive line is good. It was good. It's just such a tough piece to lose when you lose your tackle like that. And he he's just such a when you talk about losing a player, like you lose, uh, let's say, like we talked about, you lose Wentz, but Nick Foles is a very solid backup. You lose Aaron Rodgers, and you bring in Brett Hundley, who is a dumpster fire on wheels. Like the the drop off, <laughs> I mean, the, the yeah. drop off. At least he has wheels. Yeah, yeah at least he, he, he wasn't the slot guy. I mean, you lose Tyron Smith, and the guys that stepped in were just atrocious. Dak had no time. It was tough. The suspension, they, they are a running team and losing, you know, one of the best backs in the league for big parts of the season and just having all that uncertainty with them between that, the left tackle, losing Sean Lee, the, I think Dak or Dak, excuse me. I think, uh, 
Who am I thinking of? The the, the receiver that is really Des. 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 I'm trying to think right now. Des Bryant. I think he was wildly overrated. He was trading off his name from four or five years ago. If Alan Hearns has had a thousand yard season, Alan Hearns had a thousand yard season in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles <laughs> of 2015. It's doable if if Hearns and Beasley play well and they can get something out of Gallup. And I'm not but Tavon Austin running jet sweeps. That Hopefully that doesn't inspire only, me at all. Well, that hopefully that's the only thing they use him for because he's not a <laughs> he's not a serviceable receiver. I think nine ten wins. I can see them being one of the teams looking at possibly getting into the playoffs later later in the season. They'll be in the in the hunt if their receiving game can get any sort of traction. Which uh, tight end we didn't even touch on tight end. Tight end's a problem too. Basically, if if they stay healthy and the receivers do anything to help Dak out. He's a good enough quarterback to get them some wins, especially hopefully with a little easier schedule this year. Mm, man, I am really torn because I, I agree with all your points, Andy, with the, with the, uh, this offensive line as a unit is truly fair, is truly among the best in the NFL. Tyron Smith is truly an elite tackle. Um, I was going to get wait until, until we get to the Giants to get into this, but, uh, you know, there are some amazing left tackles in the uh, NFC East this year. Um, the But, you know, the, the likelihood that their coaching staff, uh, specific, like, particularly loses games for them, either based on their approach, specific in-game decisions, uh, or, you know, just developing players and putting them in places to succeed, I think is pretty good. I would say if you handicap this team as like an 11 win team, subtract two just for the fact that, you know, their coaching staff is going to cost them wins. Uh, and so, I, you know, I really struggle, you know, coming full circle to support them with, you know, season long money in any way, shape or form. I think this is the kind of team I'll bet, you know, week in, week out on the regular trying to kind of identify situations where, you know, their advantages will be, you know, will be strong enough to get them, uh, you know, wins and covers while, you know, their coaching staff does everything in their power to derail their season. Um, yeah, I gave them 10 got- wins. It doesn't mean I'm running to the window to back them for a season win total. This is a very, very wild uh, division where I could see, nearly anybody winning it maybe except the giants i really so, am not cool i'm cold on the giants but i can i can see dallas winning the division if they get anywhere near the form they were obviously you know 13 and 3 pretty goddamn good year so yeah. if they can get something out of the receivers they could make a run at the, at the division title especially if they're playing well that means they they could probably pick one or two games off of uh, philadelphia's win total well certainly the game that they play philadelphia week 14 I like yeah. them to take off of Philadelphia's win total. That's a two-game swing right there. Um, you got uh, a ton of other kind of neutral situations. They don't really have any uh, any issues um, where they're being specifically challenged until later in the season. Um, it looks like week thirteen, week four, you know, week uh, sorry, week ten, eleven. They get to play Philly off their bye. They got to go back to back Philly, Atlanta. Maybe there's some bumps in the middle there. Um, but the schedule makers really seem to do them a pretty solid favor the way that they have laid this thing out here. Um, 
I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I, I want a clean slate and a new head coach in Dallas so badly that I think if anything, I'm rooting for them to just have like a utter trash fire of a season, you know, like losing back to back to back Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville week four, five, six, so that you start getting talk about, you know, is, is Garrett coaching for his job week seven at Washington before they head into the bye? Um, can you see, is there and, yeah, somebody brought that up there, up in the, on Twitter there? Somebody brought up trading for a coach, which hasn't been done in a while, but it with the talent, the talent they have getting a different coach might not be the worst thing in the world. Any chance we see Garrett fired mid season BP? I just don't think they're going to be that bad, but okay. you know, before we move on, there's one thing that I want to touch on and well, this is something that, you know, you've harped on and I've actually picked up from you and kind of want you to touch on is because I think people need to hear it is about locking up money for an entire season and when it's worth it and when it's not worth it, because we had this conversation last year and it's something that's important and it's something that we're considering and I know you're considering as well as locking up money for 16 yes. to 17 weeks is a much different bet than locking up money in one week. And that's, you know, your wheelhouse. I got it from you. So I'm going to give you the floor. <laughs> it's something that I do feel is worth mentioning because it is in all of our minds as we're considering these totals. Yes. So yes, this goes, this, this plays, this plays into like my overall philosophy of, you know, is it even worthwhile to have these discussions about over under eight, eight and a half wins for the Cowboys? Uh, it's plus one Oh five to the over right now. If you are like, you know, you handicap this eight different ways and you're like, you know, Hey, their ceiling is 11 wins. Their floor is, you know, eight. Uh, I'm getting, you know, much, many more than 50% of my, you know, runs. I'm getting more than eight and a half wins. So why wouldn't I just take plus one Oh five on Dallas over eight and a half? Uh, and the answer is really, there, the, the these these season long bets on win totals are more often than not won or lost based on things that you have virtually no control over when you're handicapping the season as we stand here today. They are based on in they are based on injury luck. They are based on turnover luck. They are based on how some official. Uh, decides he's going to call the targeting rule or the pass interference rule on some random Sunday, uh, you know, when the the Giants are playing the Cowboys in Sunday Night Football or whatever, you know. And it's those types of things uh, just th- put so much uncertainty into these win totals that backing a number like 105 over 8.5 has never really made sense to me because you're locking up that bankroll that you could use put – to work week in, week out over the course of the season and do much, much better um, in terms of ROI. And so for me, at least, it's I almost exclusively look at the extrema. <laughs> I'm not really looking at the general market number that's hanging out there. I want to see what's well, over nine and a half, what's under six and a half for the Cowboys, because those prices are, you know, you're going to get much more you know, reasonable return and even combining these, you know, finding a couple that you think are way off market and, you know, on average, I think, you know, granted some win totals come in pretty close to the line, uh, but there's going to be a lot that are way exceeded and a lot that are not even close. 
And if you can identify some of those and you can put them together in parlays that pay a little bit better, for me at least, locking up that type of money for a season long bet makes a ton more sense uh, because I want as much bankroll as possible week in, week out to try to make it uh, try to make it work for me. I I definitely agree with like everything you said there. The it's it's tough to see those bets just sitting there all year, and especially if one's looking just garbage from the get-go. If a team gets off to a bad start or an on and under, if they get off hot and you're you're not liking the way things are looking, I have to have a pretty strong lean to bet a win total in the NFL. I'll probably only do a few. One fun thing I do like to do, you talk about the alternates with big plus money. I go the other way and make a parlay uh-huh. usually. So like, uh-huh. you know, Arizona's sitting at what, five and a half, six? which is, I like it, but I, I can see, you know, I can make cases for both sides. So I throw Arizona under seven and a half minus 270 in a parlay with a few other ones. In fact, I, I may or may, may not have made a 10 team parlay with the 10 strongest <laughs> leans I had of like my, and, and it only pays about 15 to one, but it's, it's just kind of a fun little thing. But yeah, like I think I'll probably have three season win totals total for the season in the win totals. I'm just going to keep saying the same words over and over, but uh, they, they have to be the strongest liens because you don't want to just tie up a bunch of stuff on a whole bunch of coin flips. Being a volume better. Isn't the worst thing. I see people do that all the time. There's, there's assholes that'll bet 10, 11, 13 things on a, on an NFL Sunday present company excluded their whale. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I, you don't want to be, I don't know if you want to be the volume better in the, in the win totals, unless you have this, you know, a real big bankroll you're willing to tie up and you think you can hit 60% of them. Yeah. I mean, even if you have a big bankroll, I still think you want that. It's better used yeah, you, right. You, you use it, use it week in, week out to have a little larger unit staking system. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's such a long, you know, and even the NFL is the shortest of all the seasons, you know, locking up bankroll for that, that long on something that's effectively decided by, things that are completely out of your control just doesn't it just never has really added up to me um and so really when i'm looking for stuff i'm (laughs) truly really only trying to identify the extrema and even then i'm only doing that because i'm betting that the book has not made a sharp number and that the market has not shaped the number sharply and that you know the difference between eight and a half and eight for a given team that the book is saying is a nine percent you know nine percent uh uh probability that I don't think is anywhere close to reality. I think it's a much, 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 much smaller number. And uh, therefore you're getting more value as you go away from the base, the baseline. So we'll get into that another time with some type of math oriented posts. Um, And speaking of uh, the, uh, a team that was, you know, lined as seven and a half and uh, sits at seven and a half. And we have, some pretty substantial differences on is the third highest odds in the uh, NFC East, the New York Giants. This team, and I want to go to BP first as being a New Yorker. uh, This team is one of those teams where I will go down swinging. (laughs) I will be really, really right or really, really wrong about this season. Uh, And it's all born out of um, roster construction. Dave Gettleman, in my opinion, is not worthy of 
the responsibilities of constructing a roster for 2018 NFL. Uh, the approach that he's laid out putting together this team, the way he handled the draft process, the way he handled the free agency process, all of it to me was fraught with mistakes and the Giants are going to pay for it this year. They're going to pay for it next year. They're going to pay for it in three years. And I cannot, for the life, you know, maybe they exceed expectations this year. Maybe instead of seven and a half, they win eight. I do not see this as the team that is going to compete for a playoff spot or even close. And in the long term, I have significant concerns about them being competitive in the New York market. I feel bad for our coach, uh, our coach buddy, uh, Pat Shermer, who uh, was, he was, just an he was just a breath of fresh air in Minnesota following North Turner. Uh, he was awesome last year, and I feel like this is his second crack at a head coaching job. It makes me sad that he got saddled with this general manager, uh, and he got saddled with a 36 year old Eli Manning who is way past his expiration date. And I, you know, it's going to take a complete reawakening, you know, complete rejuvenation. For Eli Manning to turn this team into, a, you know, uh, a uh, um, uh, a contender again, and I just don't see it. A BP, talk me out of just, you know, just writing them off for 2018. So here we are again. When we have <laughs> we yeah. are as opposite as it gets. And yeah, like. How about this? I'm going to start this with, I have a ticket in for them plus 3,300 to win the conference. Ooh, it's a nice so, number. Again, if you're right, going to put right. money to work for you season long and get numbers like plus 3,300. Right. So, so let, let's first, first start with last year. I mean, this, this is a team that like, they caught the chargers last year. Like they, everyone got hurt. Every every I mean they were decimated by injuries. I mean they lost every wide receiver imaginable. Evan Ingram, who came out of nowhere, was their top target. Their offensive line was atrocious. Ben McAdoo was horrible. I mean, horrible. And they had nothing good to speak of last year. And they tanked. They absolutely were horrific. And I have no doubt to say that last year we both thought they were gonna be bad and they were worse than we even could have expected. But you know, I actually do like what's coming. I mean, no team is getting more back this year than the Giants. They're getting Odell back. They're getting Sterling Shepard back. They've, For the first time in God knows how long, they actually have a running back that I'll remember and actually think is an every down back. I mean, how long has it been since they've had a running back? They got Will Willie Hernandez, who I thought was a steal in the second round of the draft. They picked up Nate Soldier, who I think is good. Jonathan Stewart can just be a heavy offset back. And, you know, they didn't lose much. They traded JPP away. Fine. I, I understand that. But, you know, what they did and they, but what the team they have now is an elite offensive team. If Eli can just do very minimal things, he does not have to do much with the weapons that he has. I mean, you lost their top three receivers. Obviously, you're going to go three and 13. You did nothing left with terrible coaching. That said, I like the coach they brought in. And I think that a big theme of, looking at a team over the course of the season is the coach and the coaching staff. And, you know, I do think that, you know, you're looking at Pat Shermer, who's the new offensive coach who could do this with Case Keenum and Sam Bradford. So to say that he couldn't do it with Eli Manning with significantly better weapons, like I don't necessarily buy that. 
And Saquon Barkley is a significant threat. On 55% of his carries at Penn State, he faced a stacked box. On those carries, he was still averaging 7.1 yards per carry. That's out of control. And he showed it in week one when he made the same elusive mistakes. And we're talking about a Giants team that if they didn't have injuries, they probably wouldn't have been as good last year. They probably would have been seven and nine, but they wouldn't have been three and 13. So I think there's a lot to like here, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And their schedule after their bye week is easy. Like I could easily see, I have them going over making the playoffs but also have them going three and five into their bye. Hmm. Oh, interesting. So I don't think they start off. I think they start off 0 and 2. I don't think they get their first week till they go to Houston. Oh, you should have waited to bet your NFC ticket. You could have gotten like 60 or 100 to 1. Yeah, well, you know what? I kind of saw the number. I like the number. (laughs) Well, Jags week one is a sneaky spot, but yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. But look, Look afterwards. They're going to have their bye week when they go to San Fran. I think they can steal that. They have Tampa Bay, who we all know is absolutely a joke and atrocious. They Mm -hmm. lose going to Philly. Then they get Chicago at home. Washington, who I don't think is going to be good. They get Tennessee at home. Indy, who by week 15, maybe by week 16, maybe out of it. Or Andrew Luck is, you know, in a sling again. And then they have Dallas at home in a game that could be absolutely meaningless to Dallas. I could see them easily picking up six, seven wins after their bye week, which means that they only need to have two or three before, hmm. which gives them time to settle in, gives them time to put in their offense. They didn't have a pass rush here. They've shifted from the four, three to the three, four. They're going to be blitzing a lot this year, and it's going to be a completely different team. And so for that reason, I actually do think that this team is going to win 10 games, be a wild card. And we're going to have another giants as the wild card situation playing out mm. and wow. here we are because you guys are gonna hate me for this one and i knew it's coming and you know what like that's kind of the reach interesting okay yeah. let me make let me counter Ooh. that let me counter let me come up with a specific counter for this scenario which is if things don't get off to a good start for the giants uh and you know the as you mentioned they have some very tough spots before they're by uh, what's, what is to say they even keep the locker room together? You have an, you have a, 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 an incredibly polarized player like Odell who is desperately trying to get new money. You have an Eli Manning, uh, at quarterback who has already gone through one cycle where the organization pulled the rug out from under him, broke his starting, you know, starting streak for reasons that none of us will ever understand. And, you could very much be in a situation where the main talk in New York come week four is why did we draft Barkley? Why didn't we draft Sam Darnold? When are we, you know, are we going to keep putting Eli Manning out there? He is, you know, he is way too uh, limited a player to carry this franchise. All of these other pieces are going well. You got Odell's, you know, agent is constantly talking to the press about that. They need to pull a switch at quarterback. Odell's not getting the ball enough. You know, there, there is, I, there's this feels is the so, media in New York this, harsh? This feels <laughs> we should, maybe we should ask BP. <laughs> this this feels so fragile, and I just don't see. I mean, you have a new coach. Maybe there's some patience baked in 
to the fan base with the fact that there's a new coach. But Shermer's already failed once. This feels New York market. This feels this feels so fragile. And if there is any whiff of this team continuing to be non-competitive, and it could be completely aside from what we're talking about related to the offense, this defense could be trash. Like the, yes. you know, don't, don't don't stop on my don't stop on my. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll 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 throw the stadium yeah. next. But this defense could be trash, and well, you could you know they could be completely out of their control. Whether they're you know winning some of these potentially close games, Andy, you know, uh, do you do you have uh, thoughts on the the Giants, uh, the mighty Giants defense? Yeah, it's zero pass rush. They are gosh, they are in a division where. Just start naming some of the studs at left tackle. I'm going to have to go find this. I know Suma brought this up in his book. They, but they, I mean, they, just, they, just start, yeah, naming they, left no, yeah. start naming left tackles just in the division. I can't right, even the, power rank them. Ty, Tyron Smith in Dallas. You have Lane Johnson in Jason Philly. Peters. Or Jason Peters. You have two amazing tackles in Philadelphia with Johnson and, and Peters. And you have yeah. uh, Trent Williams in Washington. Trent you have Williams this, twice. this yes. whole they, division. They, is I'm going to have to go find that. Cause, yeah, Suma definitely brought that up. They they don't have much of a pass rush. And they're going to play a lot of tough offensive lines. The defense is going to be very bad. I think uh, – uh, a point BP brought up was, you know, Shermer was able to do it with uh, Bradford and Keenum. I would take either of those guys over Eli right now, I think. And granted, Bradford is made of glass, and that's tough to say I would take him because he'll be hurt. But Eli Manning definitely on the downswing. It comes down to both of the Elis. Eli Apple sucked ass. Dude, if that guy plays anywhere near where he played, he he might be benched. I wouldn't even – I wouldn't even – maybe play him parts of the season if he's going to continue to not progress in his uh, his career like that. Eli Manning, not a good quarterback anymore, but like BP said, really good receiving core. They drafted a really good running back. They, they have a decent line. The offense could be, should be, will be better. The offense will not be as bad. The coaching will not be as bad, but the defense has not improved at all. And they actually have a tougher schedule than last year somehow. Like they just, <laughs> just the way, the way things worked out, not and like it was brought up. It does get a little easier at the end of the year, but man, the first half of the season is just freaking brutal for a team that was so bad. Like sometimes you wonder how that works out where, Oh, there's, you know, fourth place schedule, but that's not the whole, you know, that's not the whole of the of the schedule you still have to play your division and that means the eagles and the cowboys and the skins twice and none of them are real big slouches and i i'm actually kind of high on tennessee that's gonna be a tough game like they they have a bunch of tough spots especially early on i'm putting them at six or seven wins just because i don't think i can put trust in eli manning to get it done even with the even with the good receivers yeah, he may he may have an offensive supporting cast that is top five in the league. That's fine. It just, be, it just yeah, sucks be, that they don't have a quarterback because they I can know. Yeah, they can do it something. Does, with it does. BP, help me understand what's going on with this defense. They bring in Alec Ogletree from the Rams. This guy is the most the single most overpaid player in the league. Not even close. They have Eli Apple and Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins. We have no idea Jenkins. if this guy plays sixteen weeks though. He, is, oh, yeah. he, he has the potential to get embroiled in something that might see him on the commissioner's exempt list come October. You know, there is there are a lot of question marks as you look down this starting roster. And guess what? The first preseason game, I don't put a whole hell of a lot of weight into 
teams being good or players being good based on how they play in the preseason, but it sure as hell is easy to see units and players that look terrible. And the Giants defense looked utterly terrible. This they have I, I, I just cannot see this this uh this unit over and you know and I'll even support this with one more one more quick note here. I was willing to suspend disbelief that the Giants defense was as bad as they were last year because I thought they fundamentally quit uh, with McAdoo as the coach. Like I literally was like, these guys are better players than they're playing. They just have given up because they don't want to play for this guy anymore. And they're doing what they can to make sure he gets fired. But it didn't really seem to carry over into any of the offseason stuff we've seen and heard, any of the stuff we've seen so far in the preseason. Like I, there's just huge question marks in this team. It starts with Ogletree and Apple for me. Uh, you know, what is there to like about this defense? Oof, so you guys are not starting <laughs> with me on this team. <laughs> All right. Two things just off the bat. First thing, if anyone's listening to this, like Suma's book that's been referenced here is worth buying if you're ever going to actually like care about the NFL, want to analyze it, actually want to read up it's by far better than any of the mainstream stuff that I've read, like outside. No Second of all, you cannot say that anyone not named Joe Flacco is the most overpaid player in the NFL. Oh, like, that's just okay. Ridiculous. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. Gonna, okay. gonna have to back okay. you up. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, 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 although Joe Flacco check, was check the me. most, Joe Flacco was the most overpaid player for the last handful of years, but the way the market is tilted, he's actually kind of, now just overpaid as opposed to the most overpaid. But uh, but yeah, they took on this Alec Ogletree contract that is just monstrous. But anyway, go ahead. Well, look, I think that this <laughs> team is going to have to, this team's going to have to win on the, on the heels of its offense. That's obvious from looking at their roster. It's obvious at looking at the composition. But at the end of the day, I agree that that defense quit last year. I think that getting in a new quarterback, getting in a new coordinator, sorry, in James Betcher, I believe. So he's going to come in. He's changing up the scheme. He wants to create more blitzes, put more pressure, and take some of that kind of isolation off of the cornerbacks, the DBs, and so forth. Do I think Alec Ogletree is overpaid? Yes. But when you have the worst linebacker unit in the NFL, that's kind of what you have to do in that situation. And yeah, Eli Apple was bad on and off the field last year, and I have no arguments to kind of defend the defense and say that they're going to be an elite defense this year. But at the end of the day, you know, I still see them being improved and that offense being improved is going to help that defense. That offense last year was awful and could not stay on the field. They had no run game to speak of and they had no pass game to speak of. And that also is taxing on a defense over the course of an entire season. So, you know, do I think that they're going to be elite or a top five defense from any means? No, but do I think that they can be average or above average with a significantly above average offense? Yes, and personally, I'm not as high as you guys are on the Redskins, on the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, think that they can be kind of that 10-win team if they can pick it up and get the pieces together. You know, I know early on, just to kind of touch on this, it was alluded that, the media is going to come down on them. It's a fragile situation. But I think that, you know, what stops them from blowing it up is that they kind of went all in. The minute that you okay. drafted Saquon yeah. instead of a quarterback, you made the decision that no matter what happens, you have to stick with it this season. When you go after oh, yeah. a player like Ogletree, you don't get a back quarterback. They are in it right now for this season, and they cannot back out. 
Yeah. Okay. They're, That's they're fair. Destroyed if they back out after taking Saquon. So now they at least have to own it for this season, oh, yeah. which is going to buy them time to get through the brutal start of their schedule. And I think that we also have to give this team a little more time. You've got a new coaching staff, new organization. Most of the players who started for them week 17 last year are not going to be starting week one this year. It's going to take them a couple minutes to kind of get their bearings, but I do think that on paper, they're my second best team in the NFC East. And a lot of that has to do with, I would take the Giants offense over the Cowboys offense every day. And I think both of them have mediocre defenses. Okay. Well, I will 100%. Yeah. A good point to close on there was, I did miss that part of it. I, I did like the Betcher signing. I liked him. I liked Arizona's defense a lot last year, and he is going to be more aggressive. That would be one way to improve. I mean, if you have a shitty defense, maybe throw a lot of blitzes at him and hope something happens. You, it's got to be. It's got to be an improvement over who they had last year and what they were doing. So, I maybe they're not. Uh, I think they were like thirtieth, thirty first for DVOA last year. It was a bad defense. Hopefully, you know, for their sakes, it does get a little better with the new coordinator. Yeah, okay. I really, I really hope that Whale's story next year isn't last year. I told about the story how he was so much smarter than everyone on the NFC, and then he just shit the bed on the Giants. Oh, we're bringing you back mid-season if the Giants shit shit themselves. Yeah, <laughs> when they're, when they're on, on hey, the heels of next year, we brought on BP. <laughs> Well, it'll go the other way too. If you if you're the genius out of all this, we'll absolutely give you credit. Um, and I'll say because I mean I can see it. Like I can make a case the other way. If I was just if you just put me on the spot and say, hey, make a positive case for the Giants, I can make it. Odell Beckham Jr. is like one B to Antonio Brown's one A as like the most important skill position player in football. And they did not have him for a lot of the season last year. He is. Uh, he continues to develop and get better as a player year over year. We've seen, so we would expect to see him be absolutely spectacular this year. And that could mask a lot of issues that you have with Eli Manning. Eli Manning also, you know, we could be being particularly hard on him when he was playing, you know, running for his life. And, you know, he kind of didn't even have the opportunity to read uh, through his progressions or look like a, like a formidable quarterback because his line was absolute garbage for the last two seasons. And they went out and they invested some, uh, some money in Nate Solder. He's not, I think he's overrated. I think he's overpaid. I think the, if the, if the Patriots let a free agent go, uh, it's not an accident. Um, that said, he is much, much, much better than Rec Flowers. Rec Flowers, unfortunately, still on the line of right tackle. So that's still kind of a problem. Um, I, I like that you're high on Will Hernandez. If he solidifies the center of that line, maybe just having a good left side of the line with the serviceable. Uh, Solder and a, and a and a young you know talent like Hernandez, maybe they uh, maybe they do provide enough of you know enough time for Eli Manning to like remember some of his passion and love for football and play a little bit better this season because um, it's possible that the sorry ass play we saw from him last year was just being defeated by the situation with the injuries he was dealing with and the line he was playing behind. Um, similarly, on the defense, even though Ogletree, I find to be just a head-scratching decision to bring that guy in. Um, I thought I thought it was a head-scratching decision that the Rams extended him, to be honest, and then to take the, they take that mistake off their hands was a gift. Um, but, you know, Snacks Harrison is a great nose tackle. He can eat up a couple blockers. Um, you know, you have 
pass rush talent in Vernon Olivier. Uh, I don't know a ton of the other names on this depth chart, uh, but you know, it's possible that there are, you know, young talented players here that you can develop into serviceable, you know, serviceable guys. And you could end up with the defense that is better than what we saw last year, which was an absolute train wreck, but you're going to have to learn the hard way. I feel like with Eli Apple and Alec Ogletree, and uh, maybe even Janoris Jenkins. I don't know that we're going to see Janoris Jenkins play 16 games. Um, but let's move on and talk about the team that people expected to be bottom dwellers in the AFC, in the NFC East, the Washington Redskins. Whew, this is tough. I really, <laughs> I've really gone back and forth all over the place with these guys. Did you know, uh, BP, that they opened their win total at five and a half and it's getting bet up to uh, seven? This is one of the this is one of the biggest movers. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Las Vegas uh, Hilton or folks out in the desert opened the Redskins at five and a half, um, and uh, that would be. Do you know the, when? Uh, when they opened it up, uh, I think it was like the end of May or beginning of June. I, uh, I was, was when they first was- hung those. I'm curious if it was before or after they acquired Alex Smith. Cause I think it was, yeah, it was definitely after All right. it was definitely after it was after the draft and it was after the Smith. Uh, um, it, it was basically just that they were expected to be the bottom feeders of the, uh, of the NFC East. And they've taken a good amount of money to the over. Um, although I, I will say we've seen that with almost all of the low win total openers got bet up like across the board. So it might've just been like value plays across the board. Yeah, as opposed Alex, to actually positions taken. Yeah. So it's, it's, it reflects the, it reflects the, the roster that, uh, that we currently look at five and a half or six or seven wins even would be um, extremely low for an Alex Smith quarterback team. Uh, Alex Smith has been surprisingly been one of the most uh, steadfast quarterbacks uh, over the course of the last 10 years in the NFL. Um, You have to go back to 2010 in San Francisco to find a season where he was truly ineffective at quarterback. Uh, He's racked up nine, 11, 11, eight, 11 wins, six, two and one in 2012 before giving way to Colin Kaepernick. He won 13 games in 2011. You know, he's, he's quietly put together a really nice resume as a serviceable quarterback uh, over the last uh, eight years or so of his career, um, capped off by by far and away his best season as a pro last year. He uh, had a se- he had a career low interception percentage. Uh, he had a career high uh, yards per attempt. Uh, he had um, what five six games or something at the beginning of the season where he didn't throw an interception. Like I think it was week seven ish before we saw him throw an interception last year. And um, you know it you can make a case. I feel like that. You know, Washington made a lateral move going from Cousins to Smith. Um, you know, some analytics folks I've heard make a case that they upgraded. Um, Andy, do you have a particular feeling one way or another about how the Alex Smith uh, regime is going to go in uh, Washington, D.C.? Oh, boy, I didn't. I never was a fan of him. But then you start looking into it and you realize, like, he, he does take care of the ball. Like, and that, that's so important. You see some of these teams – um, and we've touched on this a bunch of times during the preview pods already teams with really bad, you know, almost outlier, uh, turnover ratios. Like that's, that's just never going to be good. Or in the case where they have the other way, they might over, overperform. 
And the Redskins, if they can get a quarterback in, like Alex Smith, what they did, who takes care of the ball, I think they can be uh, sneaky. You know, it's tough in the NFC. All these teams, I'm, I'm projecting a lot of teams in the NFC right around the middle of the pack, and I don't know if that gets you into the playoffs. I don't want to go out and say the Redskins are make the playoffs, but uh, I think they can be a middle-of-the-pack team. I think they can beat some good teams. I don't know if they have. I don't know if they have the roster to, you know, jump the Eagles or I. I would put them third in the division if you want to go. Now that we're through it, I definitely would go. Eagles and Cowboys one one A, and then Redskins below them with the Giants pulling up the rear. They're like seventy five to one to win the Super Bowl. That's probably right. Like I don't know if you're going to get value on betting anything like that. Getting them into the playoffs doesn't seem super. Likely, I don't know if I want to touch the win total on this one either, though. It seems like it's it's right about on there. Just going up and down the schedule, I can make cases for going, you know, a game, game and a half over or under either way. it's It just feels like a boring team that I don't even want to really get too deep into this year. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I don't have, I don't have like super strong thoughts on them, I guess. Um, I, I, I like the Alex Smith. I mean, they had to do something where their cousins wasn't coming back. It was, it was probably the right move to go get somebody and he can be a good quarterback. He can be, he can be a great, even better. He's not a, you don't want to call him a game manager. He can play good quarterback at, you know, in anyone's system. I don't know how much it was Andy Reed. He's had good luck with quarterbacks over the years. I, I'm not a big fan of Shay Gruden. I'm not a big fan of any of the Grudens, I guess, if we go back to that. But uh, they they do like to throw the ball. So it'll be interesting to see what he does now. He just it's it sucks. He got all those fun, fun offensive weapons in Kansas City, and then he got he got uh, shipped up to Washington. How uh how do you rate the supporting cast in Washington, BP? You got Josh Doxson who's emerging, although never really seems to put it together. You got Jameson Crowder, who's a sneaky kind of inside player. Um, they cut ties with the with the um who was the the court of Tyrell Pryor. They cut ties with the Tyrell Pryor experiment that was a failure. Um, and looks like they're gonna start uh I don't know who's the wide receiver two going to be Paul Richardson. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, receiving core. Um, you know, Jordan Reed comes back. He's an injury waiting. Always to happen. hurt. Always hurt. You have uh, an offensive line that has some nice pieces like left tackle Trent Williams, although it also has lots and lots of injury concerns. We saw, um, we saw the middle of their season last year. They just got utterly wrecked by offensive line injuries. I think at one point, all five of their starters on the O-line were hurt and the team was just a shell of itself. Um, you know, what's, what's your, what's your grade, I guess, overall on this uh, supporting cast on offense for the, for the chief, uh, for the Redskins. Yeah. I like that. God, this, you know, if this was blackjack, this this team feels like a seventeen, and like the deal is like a nine or a ten. You know, oh, like, that's a good, yeah, that's like, a good analogy. Yeah. It, the dealer yeah. showing a ten, you've got a seventeen, so it's not like a bad hand. Like it's better than having like fourteen, right? But like, <laughs> you're not happy about it. It's just kind of what you have, and you're stuck with it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like 
Alex Smith had a great season last year. He was like his QB rating on deep passes was 131.3, which made him the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, although he was 17th the year before that. And his quarterback rating of throws of 20 plus yards was 79, like which would have put him 21st for like the three years prior, right? So like Yeah, yeah. You know, you you're talking about a Yeah, guy, what what but, changed? Oh, you know, maybe the fact that he had two of the most dynamic and athletic players in the NFL who can make everyone <laughs> miss, right? Like, yeah. You know, he had speed everywhere. He had a running game that he could actually, like, rely on. And, you know, I, I just don't see it with this team, but I don't really know what happens with them either. And I'm kind of along the lines of just saying, you know what, fuck it, pack it in and avoid him this year. You know, like. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know what to do. They've lost half their secondary. Their run defense, they supported, but they had to. Allowed 135 yards a game last year and was worse in the NFL. Chris Thompson was their most dynamic offensive threat, and he broke his leg. And his whole thing was his elusiveness and his ability to move. So who knows how he comes back from that. The Redskins' offensive line was horrendous. They were 21st in run blocking and 24th in adjusted sack rate. They brought in Geist to kind of be the answer running back, and he's the one who's in oh, yeah. CL. He's gone. You know, Paul Richardson, I, yeah. I guess, is your deep ball threat, but that's not Tyree Kill by uh, any means. No, no. And, you know, like saying that they're going to get after the quarterback with Pernell McPhee is like all good and well, but he's played 550 snaps the last two seasons. So I, I really don't know what this team is able to do. They're in an extremely tough division. You know, they have a week four bye, which means that they're going to be playing now for – 11 or they're going to play 13 consecutive games after their bye. I, 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 they're getting no favors yeah, and I just really don't bad. believe in them. And I don't think they have a staff to make up for their lack of talent and holes around the team. And I just don't have a good sense of what can come of this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't No disagreement on any of those points. Uh, they were, they, you know, you made a point with the Giants how they got bit by the injury bug last year. The Redskins were kind of in a similar boat. And lo and behold, week one of the preseason, they lose three guys to ACLs. Like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on there? And on top of that, like, you know, they're not a particularly deep team. Uh, they are really, really going to. I mean, the offense to me is made or broken by Josh Doxson emerging as a true wide receiver one. Um, I think you can count on maybe 12 games from Jordan Reed. Uh, those 12 games, he'll be effective. Uh, Jameson Crowder, he'll be a great safety valve for a guy like Alex Smith, who, you know, will look to him often over the middle and, you know, in, in kind of the dump off mode. Um, but, uh, but there are, you know, there are, there are holes everywhere. And I think that's kind of leaning me in the same direction as you, BP. This is kind of a stay away team. What do you think of the coaching staff overall, BP? And then let's uh, let's wrap up our uh, our our NFC East talk. Um, they're effectively all coming back. They're bringing the band back. Last last shot potentially here for Jay Gruden. He's quietly on the hot seat. Uh, you got Matt Cavanaugh returning as your offensive coordinator. You got Greg Minuski returning as your defensive coordinator. I think Jim Tons, Tom Sula is still on the uh, on the coaching roster, so that's fun. Um, is this a uh, is this a professional football coaching staff, or uh, are these guys going to be looking for jobs in January? Uh, they're going to be looking for jobs in January, in my opinion. I mean, look, like, I, and I don't think it's necessarily to the coaching staffs fault i think that the gm has tried to rebuild from being a middle of the pack team and 
if there's one thing we talk about in sports, it's either tear it apart and you rebuild and you build a foundation to build on, or you're just great. And that's how it works. But being middle of the pack doesn't work. And this team has lived with being middle of the pack and trying to just make the tweaks to get there. And there's a reason why you're nine and seven, eight and seven, seven and nine, three consecutive seasons. Like, you know, they, they're unbelievably mediocre in everything that they're doing. And the coaching staff is not put in a, in a position to succeed. But that said, I don't think that they're a coaching staff that's good enough to bring this team where it needs to be. So to their fault or not, I don't see them coming back for 2018. Oof. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, let's wrap it up here uh, with a little bold predictions for the NFC East, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, Andy, have you got anything in queue, or should I go with uh, with BP first? Oh, what, we yeah, already got you, some. What, we already got some. Yeah, I, I went. I went bold enough. <laughs> like, I've had plenty of bold. Let's see what BP has. My my bold takes have just gotten weirder and weirder. BP, you can just recap your uh, your Giants feelings. I think because uh, I've been mean, literally wow. kind of. Let, let me. Wow. Well, I say. Well, I, I say it's. I say it's bold for one very specific reason, and maybe you can refute me overall on on how the the NFC is playing out. But the NFC has a problem, and that's that the Saints and the Falcons are like overwhelmingly strong likelihood of making it to the playoffs this year, which means there's really only one wild card spot, and you got the Packers, Vikings. Bears, Lions all may fight for one. You got the Niners may compete for one. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are going to be effectively fighting for one playoff spot. What what is it that, you know, what, what's it going to have to take for the Giants to get that that spot locked down? Oh, 10 wins. T- 10 double digits okay. is for sure the number in the NFC. All right. Uh what happens to the 60 Giants in the playoffs when they go to the uh to the LA Rams? Are they uh I, do they do they the fare better? What the hell happened in the world? I, I tell you one thing. I'm hedging the hell out of my plus 3,300. I was just like going to say. Right off the bat. Do they, do they but, fare better yeah. than they fared in 2017 in, against the Rams? No. But I, I think <laughs> that they make the playoffs. I, I think that they're a very good team. I, I depends on their first-round matchup. I, I don't see them necessarily going on the road and winning. But if you're talking about a team where, you know, you have the playmakers to kind of change this playoff game type situation this is that team with these offensive threats despite eli manning you know yeah they're they're gonna be underrated i i'm i'm you know i'm gonna live and die by this giants team now so you better bet that i have to back them we'll we'll remind (laughs) you when they lose so all right yeah we'll uh should take a break and then hit the afc well my my bold prediction oh yeah you throw a bold prediction out there I Come think on, uh, I I think the uh, I think the Eagles uh, light the world on fire through twelve weeks of the season. They're ten and two, or or through th- through week thirteen, they're like ten and two. Then they stumble down the stretch with some very very tough games in the final quarter. End up the fourth seed in the NFC uh, and uh, host the Atlanta Falcons in the first week of the playoffs. A little little uh, little replay of our uh, of our pretty fantastic uh, playoff game from last year. Uh, we'll see if Sarkeesian can do better this year if he chokes again. Um, let's take a quick break. And we're back. Uh, let's dive into the AFC North here. Um, among the divisions that the bookmakers think are tilted, 
in favor of the favorite. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers sit at minus 240 uh, with the Ravens at plus 410. And then the two long shots at the bottom of the division, the state of Ohio, Cincinnati Bengals at 10 to 1 to win the North. Cleveland Browns, your hard knock darlings at uh, plus 1050. Um, so about equal likelihood that these two teams from Ohio can pull off the impossible and w- win the AFC North. Um, let's start at the bottom and work our way to the top because, you know, with hard knocks going on, everyone wants to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Browns. I just, oh. I just, oh. I just saw the best Browns tweet, by the way. And oh, I'm going to read it, it on me. Lay it on in, me. Its, in, in its entirety. This is from a few hours ago. Somebody, I, I think at camp reporting, it said Todd Haley upset with the defense getting too close to Baker Mayfield quotes good teams don't touch the fucking quarterback unquote <laughs> so that, and then it's and then it says greg williams colon quote block them then <laughs> this this could turn out to be the best season of hard knocks ever because these two guys when your offense and defensive coordinator hate each other already Oh, and they're it's just so, such outspoken personalities. Like, uh, oh, yeah. And they're under, and they're under a head coach who has no control of this situation. Oh, yeah, and he has no control. You're right. And I I actually have nice things to say about the Browns, but, boy, there there's so many volatile, messy parts to this situation that it could get real fun in a hurry, comically. Yeah. Let's uh, let's frame the se- let's frame the let's frame the 2018 season for anyone who hasn't followed Hard Knocks or followed the Browns of the last calendar year. Uh, there was some pretty high expectations for the Browns last year. I was high on them heading into the regular season. I thought uh, that Kaiser could put it together and be a serviceable NFL quarterback. I thought they had talent on the defensive off- offensive side of the ball that could be you know that could be developed into something worthwhile. Uh, they went 0 16. <laughs> they did not win a single game. And uh, they managed to find losses in surefire wins against the likes of the Packers and Brent Hundley. Uh, what was the the real brutal uh, brutal beat? I remember um, first half they had a like a sh- no doubt surefire they were going to beat the uh, Lions and managed to screw that up by uh, like spiking the ball on the goal line and running out the clock on themselves in the first half against the Lions. Um, they, you know, they, they just, they did Brown's things all season long. They couldn't cover to save their lives. Uh, they consistently turned it over in the red zone. Hugh Jackson looked utterly inept in all phases of being a head coach. Um, I, was stupefied that they that they did not win a game yet retained Hugh Jackson. Are you freaking kidding me? Does this guy have Does this guy have the secret? Uh, you know, Pilot J. Uh, you know, uh, the books that were erased that the federal investigators are looking for, and he's holding that over uh, the owner's head to retain head coaching duties. I don't know, uh, but you know, they go into the offseason with the number one pick overall again. They got the number four pick that they traded for last year by giving up by moving down in the draft. They take uh, number one overall Baker Mayfield. Kid looks legit in the first preseason game. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a second. They bring in Tyrod Taylor to be the starting quarterback in a transition year. They draft some defensive talent, particularly in the secondary, which was their by far and away their most gaping hole last year. With all that said. Retaining Hugh Jackson is an enormous black eye on this team and on this franchise. 
bringing in Todd Haley and uh, putting him opposite uh, Greg Williams, who is the worst defensive coordinator in the league, is utterly stupefying. And I'm it's going to be entertaining, but it's not going to be good watching this team. And if you bet on their season win totals over or you bet on this team week in, week out to cover the spread, uh, God have mercy on you. Uh, BP, is there anything positive you can say about this franchise as we head into what they hope to be a course correction year from their own 16 season? Are you ready to have some fun? Yes, lay it on me. You like the Browns Browns to go to the playoffs? Finish. (laughs) Miss, do not make the playoffs, but they finish second in their division this year. Ooh, now that is hot. That is a very, 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 very hot take. How how do they make that happen? Just based on the fact that they have a talented roster? Part of this is that I'm going to be low on the Ravens. I'm going to be low on the Bengals, and that that's part of it. But I think that the one piece that left is Deshaun Kaiser. Like, Deshaun Kaiser single-handedly crushed this team. I mean, this defense, they had more three-and-outs than any other team in the NFL. In the red zone last year, in the whole season, the average turnover percentage for a quarterback in the red zone was 1.3%. Deshaun Kaiser was 10%. Oh, that's like impossible. Oh my God. I didn't know it was that high. It was 9.5 something. I I took the liberty of rounding because it's a podcast. I wanted to sound bigger, you know, like 10 times more likely. He was 10 times more likely to turn it over in the red zone than the average quarterback. That is unbelievable. And that's in the red zone. He had 28 turnovers last year. Tyrod, in his career since 2011, has 23. Oh, my God. So you're talking about the fact that the Browns did a lot of Browns things last year. A lot of those were Deshaun Kaiser doing, like, Deshaun Kaiser things. And I think that Mm. we have to separate the two. And the fact of the matter is, is that their biggest problem on offense was the fact that they kept turning the ball over, and especially in crucial situations. They had eight turnovers in the red zone. Eight. By just by wow. Kaiser, take out everything else, take out field goals, turnover on downs, not getting it, whatever. I'm saying him turning it over alone was eight times. And of those eight, seven were from within the 10 yard line. You know how hard that is to do? Like he was 10 times more likely, as you said. So, yeah, this team is completely <laughs> revamped. Their team. And you talk about the addition of Josh Gordon, you talk about the addition oh my of. God. You talk about the addition of Jarvis Landry, you talk about the fact that David Joku actually might be something for ones i mean deshaun kaiser was the single worst quarterback outside of brett hundley in the nfl last year he completed 53.8 percent of his passes for 6.1 yards per attempt there he i mean he was awful across the board and now all of a sudden you have a team they've come in they've revamped their offense tyrod is playing with by far the best offense he's ever played with yes they lost joe thomas but they did do a good job of they brought in carlos hyde they brought in probably one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL if they stay healthy and if they stay on the field, which is obviously part of this argument. And at the end of the day, like they did do a lot of moves for their defense. They brought in a whole fleet of new cornerbacks because they were absolutely atrocious again in the past last year. And, you know, I, I actually too like this team and Christian mm. is going to kill me for this. because without, <laughs> I'll know, do it. For, I'll do it on his behalf after you finish. Go ahead. Me and, <laughs> and I've, and Suma Christian, and I have had this conversation multiple times. And if you took away the Cleveland Browns name and put any other team's name on this, despite maybe the Miami dolphins, 
you would never give this team a six. And the fact of the matter is, is that past performance is not indicative of current or future performance when you completely revamp a team and take away almost everything that was there. So to say that the 0-16, the 1-15 is who this team is, it's not. I mean, their offense is starting half a new team. And they're starting a completely new secondary. Like, So, yeah, now I'm going to press back and say that the Cleveland Browns are going to finish second in this division. And, you know, I'm going to stick by it. And this, I honestly, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to, like, end up getting crushed for my Giants one. But this one I'll for sure get killed if it doesn't go right. I'm positive of that. Mm, okay. Well, Let's talk about their win total for a second. It opened at four and a half with standard juice. If you wanted to bet Cleveland over four and a half right now, you would be have to lay minus three sixty. So worth the it. everyone's put money on the over. You think over three sixties minus three sixties worth? Okay, uh, okay, over four and a half minus three sixty. Okay. <laughs> I'll put you down for a couple units. We'll keep them in play for the whole season for you. Um, no, the uh, but in seriousness, um, the parts of the argument where you lose me on the Browns is the fact that the coaching staff is back effectively intact with the addition of Todd Haley, who got effectively got fired from Pittsburgh last year. Um, Kaiser, uh, those numbers that you quoted, that was a, that was a genuine reaction. Those are eye poppingly bad. Uh, It's like, like almost impossibly bad. And any, anyone is an upgrade over that, presumably. Tyrod Taylor, especially, because I find that he's consistently underrated as a quarterback in the way he protects the ball. All that said, a lot of Kaiser's interceptions, and I only really remember some of the early in the season ones, because after about like week five, after the Browns lost to the Jets, which was an utterly spectacular loss, like you, I, I, I can, I don't even want to relive it. It was so, so mentally scarring. Um, they managed, I think, to go into the red zone three times and turn the ball and get zero points out of it or something like that in the first half. It was, it was utterly mind blowing that they blew that game. Um, but the way that they turned the ball over, I felt like I wanted to put as much or more of the blame on Hugh Jackson as I did on Kaiser. They called some unspeakably ridiculous, uh, like shovel pass with like a, like a pullout blocker that had a, you know, defensive tackle coming in free in the, in the shovel passing lane in one of the turnovers. Um, they, you know, they just, they asked Kaiser to do these ridiculous, uh, these ridiculous things that he just was in no way, shape or form capable of. And I don't know that I have a whole lot of confidence that you, you're going to get a better performance out of the coaching staff just by taking the plays and now handing them over to Todd Haley, who's determined to make a point that he should, get another crack at a legitimate you know offensive coordinator position i guess i don't i don't know and this is maybe nowhere more significant than the defensive side of the football greg williams called just an egregious amount of base defense he had safeties lining up 30 and 40 yards down the field when you know teams were trying to convert third and tens uh and he gave up absolutely obscene passing um, you know, passing yardage in especially bad situations. Like they just needed to not give up 10 yards and they gave up 11, you know, and th- that happened time and again in high leverage situations during the course of the second half of games. And I didn't see anything that suggested to me that Greg Williams 
learned his lesson and is now going to do things you know more effectively as a defensive play caller if anything he's making statements to the media like i'm going to do more of what i did last year because what i was trying to do was right we just didn't do it enough or we didn't have the right players and so i'm still i'm still buyer beware with these browns they're going to have to prove it to me i don't think i'm going to be backing them on the week by week basis until they truly show me something uh and that's even with being a fan of tyrod taylor's abilities and, uh, you know, and in general, positive about all of the draft picks they've made over the last couple of years, um, at least this year and last year, I thought they'd made some good draft picks. Um, are you with me on the negative side of the Browns or are you buying BP uh, being bullish on the Browns, uh, Andy? I like the Browns. You like them? Okay. All right. I'm going right. to go. I'm, it's probably going to be one of my season win totals. I'm going to pay a little extra, go with the over six. They will do it with all the pieces they've put in place, with the better quarterback, with some good offensive players, with some great defensive players, despite the coaching staff and the hullabaloo that will be caused by hard knocks. I'm absolutely on them to get six or seven wins. You can't you can't just bet against a team because they were bad the year before. That's that doesn't prove to work very often. That's just not how that's not how the NFL works on the regular. I just don't see how they can go three, four, five wins again. I think six is their bottom. It's funny that the, it's not like they have a huge range. Like eight and eight, that would be the absolute tippy top. I I really have gone over the schedule and I put them at seven wins a lot. So I think that's where they're gonna sit seven and nine. Eight and eight could happen and I could push. Hell, I could lose. They go in sixteen. Nothing would surprise <laughs> me. Yeah, I don't see him. I don't At see him pushing for the playoffs. Obviously, okay. because let's say let's even say in the a, AFC, let's let's say you put a hefty chunk on over six, oh, and what, what you look minute? at Let's and you look at, and you look at their. I just I'm just saying spitballing. And you look at their schedule. At, at at what point are you concerned? Like they start out zero oh, and what, and you're concerned. I mean. Owen, uh, like Owen 10 would be a problem. <laughs> at, that, at that point, I'm, at that point, I'm, I'm looking, uh, <laughs> you need them to come out and sweep the They're not going to be favorite. You know, they're not going to be favorites in very many games, but <laughs> the tough schedule, but they, the Jets, the Raiders, the Bucks, uh, they get the, honestly, uh, the Chiefs, that are, the Chiefs at home, the Bengals will be better, but it's still a, you know, a good divisional game at home. I think they can beat the Panthers at home. I don't see how they don't get at least one win against the Bengals. It just mm. I'm, seven wins definitely for me. That's a, a team I like, and I, I like a lot of teams in this division somehow. Mm. Okay, so per- personally, uh, personally, I, I I'm still stuck. I mean, I cannot get over the fact that they brought in Todd Haley. And they brought back Hugh Jackson after what happened last year, and paired him with, uh, with the, their their savior, of their franchise, Baker Mayfield. Um, from what we've seen, from what we've heard, this kid looks like he's got the goods. Uh, what are some reasonable expectations? And do you agree that they potentially hit on a franchise QB in Mayfield, BP? I actually like Mayfield a lot. I thought that he showed a lot of really good things on tape in the first week. I actually did go back and watch it just uh, 
ahead of this, but I, I'm not sure when he starts this year. And I actually think that that's going to be for the best for him. And hmm. I think that if you're talking about, you know, this team that yes, if they go, zero and 10, you can bet that he'll be starting, but you know, if this team is around 500 or doing all right, they may not see the need to rush him. And I think that you're dealing with a player who it's never been about the skills. It's been about the off the field type maturity and being put into the situation. I think that that's going to play as much of a role into this as, you know, as his skill is going to play into, into it. But I, I do think he is their quarterback of the future. I think that this kid has a chip on his shoulder. He was a walk on to Heisman trophy winner. And I think that that says a lot about his mentality and who he's going to be. And you know what? Going out there week one with hard knocks, with that pressure, going 11 for 20, throwing two touchdowns, you know, that that's significant. And he always kept his head like straight down the field. He didn't get nervous. He looked comfortable. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that he's their quarterback of the future. And I think that for once, they actually did draft a good quarterback. And the first, the four first round quarterbacks they drafted before this went. 32 and 67. So he's got a really low bar to clear. So, you know, I'll, I'll buy Baker Mayfield for now, but I think that I need to see a little more. Hmm. Okay. I agree with uh, what you said earlier regarding Tyrod Taylor having the best offensive weapons of his career. Uh, this, I mean, granted McCoy, Shady McCoy was great. And is better running back than any of the guys on the step chart. Um, but that said, the receivers in Buffalo last year were an utter travesty. None of them could get separation. When they could get separation, they had freaking cement for hands. Uh, he's now got uh, Landry to throw to, potentially Josh Gordon. We're going to assume he's going to play. Um, I do like the tight end, David Njoku. He looks legit. Um, I, I have a significant question, though, on this offensive line. I am not 100% sold that this offensive line is an upgrade. And if there's one thing you could dog Tyrod Taylor for last year, it was he had, you know, he had a propensity for getting sacked. Uh, and it was born a lot out of the fact that he had nobody open to throw to, didn't throw the ball away enough. Um, held on, He just held on to the ball for a darn long time. Um, Andy? Do you can you name first of all, can you name anyone on this offensive line without looking at a depth chart? And do you have an expectation that they finish outside of the bottom five? Um, yeah, Joe Thomas replacement. Um <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I Jason I, yeah, I don't I don't have a I don't really have a hot take on this. I, I just hope I hope Tyrod can can move things around a little and avoid the pressure and hopefully the offensive, it's just like the Vikings when we talked about him. Hopefully the OC knows his line is shit. And he game plans accordingly. Hmm. You can't, you can't, I mean, you try to improve it, but what are you going to do once, once you're in this position, you gotta, you gotta dance with who brung in. You gotta play the cards you're dealt when you're, when your line sucks, you can't be calling seven step drops. And if the coach doesn't know that, then yeah, maybe they're in for a long season. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think that uh, I, it's hard to put a silver lining on it. The, the it is, offensive it is. line isn't going to be very good, but I mean, they're a team that's on 16 rebuilding. They're not going to have great, uh, great, you know, skill groups in every position. Mm, hopefully that, yeah. you know, hopefully the, some of the defense they've picked up and the receivers and a better quarterback and can get them there. Interesting. Okay. Well, but, uh, there's reason uh, to be uh, optimistic for the future, but go ahead, BP. Yeah, no, but, 
look, and I, I'm going to kind of, this will kind of act as a transition, but look at this team and that this roster they've kind of brought together and put it against the Bengals roster, right? Like Marvin Lewis, who I can't say that anyone could argue is better than Hugh Jackson has a worse team with a worse quarterback, with a worse offense that hasn't done anything for a much longer point of time. And that's kind of, and there, you know, we talk about the, when we talk about the Cleveland Browns, we say we can't judge them this year based on their past because so much has changed. Well, the Bengals, I feel like we can judge because nothing has really changed. They haven't really done anything. And and they're the same bad team that they were last year. Hmm. We're going to have some interesting disagreement about the Bengals, I guess. Um, Last year, they went seven and nine. Uh, Their season was extremely uh, up and down. Their first two games, they looked hapless, helpless, awful. They fired the O coordinator. They should have beat the Packers on the road, blow it in OT. Uh, Amazing performance by Aaron Rodgers. They're sitting at 0-3. Everybody assumes their season's over. They go and blow doors off the Browns, and they beat the Bills heading into their bye week. Uh, Come out of their bye week, lose to the Steelers. They're 2-4, and and their season effectively is over. Um, They, amazingly, not only did they not move on from Marvin Lewis, they gave him an extension. (laughs) He's going to be around for a while. And Which to, to be fair, they, Jeff Fisher got that deal too. Right that's true. That's it's true. not all. It's not always a guarantee. That's true. But Mike Brown, the principal owner of the Bengals, is a cheap son of a gun, and uh, I can't necessarily see him firing Marvin Lewis after giving him that uh, that paycheck. Uh, and unless he has cause, and it seems like Marvin Lewis is a good guy, I'm not going to sure he's going to be able to find cause. Um, but you have uh, you have a reasonably good coaching staff i think under marvin lewis i like the bill laser as the offensive coordinator um get ken zampezi uh was the was was replaced last year who i thought was um not particularly uh worthwhile and i thought that was a huge upgrade going to bill laser um they're bringing in tyrell austin now to be the defensive coordinator uh he's got i think a lot of talent to work with on this defensive side of the ball um I'm actually buying the Bengals more so as a, a, a playoff team than I am the Browns, and it's not really close, um, in my mind at least. And this is kind of born solely out of the coaching staff because there's still a huge problem in Cincinnati, and it's the quarterback is Andy Dalton. Um, Andy, as a fellow Andy, what uh, what is a what is a, a worthwhile season from Andy Dalton this year? Oh. His pass rating was bad. It was it was not a good year, but it's hard to blame him. Injuries, injuries on the line, injuries to the. I mean, did Eifert play? He's Eifert's a stud, and he went to the IR after like a, a couple of games. Uh, they got John Ross. He went and got hurt. He hardly played. It, it's tough when you're. I mean, boy, this is a theme that today with just all your receivers getting hurt and your team all of a sudden sucks. And you can't throw the ball. Uh, yeah. Firing our offensive coordinator partway through the season, bringing back or bringing in that laser guy, which I, I want to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. It's tough to come in and become a, uh, an offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. He's had a whole off season to work with him now. I think that could possibly play as far as the, the offense taking a step 
a little forward. I'm not high on Andy Dalton, but he's still a serviceable quarterback who can play semi-efficiently if Eifert, Ross, and everybody. And I mean, they have another receiver there who's pretty decent. I think they AJ can. AJ uh, Green. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can be a good pass offense. They have a decent defense. It's it's not a team I believe in a lot because of the Marvin Lewis's of the world, but I, I am going to give Bill, uh, old Bill laser a little benefit of the doubt. And hopefully the offense can pick it up, stay healthy. And they seem like a, a middle of the pack team. And as we talked about this a lot with the NFC East, you know, eight and eight, not going to get it done in the NFC nine and seven is not going to get it done. There's probably going to be a 10 win team that doesn't make the playoffs if you can get 10 wins in the afc she might have a buy mm. now mm. that's you know hyperbole but they yeah they like nine ten wins that's what you that's what you're shooting for in the afc it's not a ton like it's not easy but it's not a ton and um i mean i'm gonna allude to the next team too i i think the ravens and the Bengals are teams that can get to that nine ten win spot and get into the playoffs in a, the weaker of the conferences. Hmm. So Gina, BP, Gina you're, you're cold. You're cold. Oh yeah. No, that if we want, if we want to spend positives about Cincinnati, I'm happy to start in the, uh, on the defensive line and in their pass rush. Uh, Geno Atkins is one of the more underrated rated players uh, in the NFL in my book. Um, they got a rising star in Carl Lawson, who is super duper effective at getting pressure um, Carlos Dunlap is a fine piece. Michael Johnson has a good pass rush. They have uh, a decent ta- uh, tandem at cornerback in Drake Kirkpatrick and William Jackson. Um, you know, that overall, I think the Bengals are going to be uh, an under team this season. I'm going to be looking for unders in a lot of games where I think their pass rush is going to be able to disrupt the flow of the opposing offense. Uh, and if they're if their own offense can do much of anything. If uh, Andy Dalton, in his eighth season as quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, can you know show us some glimmer of the guy that was borderline Pro Bowl material three seasons ago, uh, I like their chances to steal playoff spot or even outright steal the uh, AFC North. Um, what is you know, what is what is the other side of that coin as far as Andy Dalton goes, BP? Well, he is he is what he is, and he'll never be effective. He well, he did throw three touchdowns in the preseason game, if you count the one that he threw to Kyle Fuller. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he had like a perfect quarterback rating or something. I thought, oh, he did throw that one pick six. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but so I couldn't help myself. Look. I, I get why there's things that are good about the Bengals. I do. But at the end of the day, like that defense that we speak about had 14 takeaways last year. That was second worst in the NFL. They're starting safeties. And when you have George Ioka and Sean Williams, and they had two interceptions, two. Yeah, they're Just not good two. at safety. Five times last year, they scored fewer than 10 points. And you can tell me that, oh, well, Tyler Eifert's back. Well, yeah, that's great. He's played eight or fewer games three out of the last four seasons. And in two of those, he played three or fewer. So he's been an injury concern all years except for one year, which he played 13 or 14 games. So I don't actually have the confidence that he's going to be back. I mean, 
they lost their backup in AJ McCarron. So they really don't have a backup plan here if Andy Dalton doesn't go well. And last year he averaged 207.4 per game, which was his career low and 30 yards below his career average. And part of that also, part of that also was the fact that they only attempted 510 passes last year, which was seventh fewest in the NFL. But, you know, when I look at this team and I look at this offense, they were fourth in pace of play, but dead last in plays per game. Hmm. Wow. Second to last in yards per drive, dead last in plays per game, fourth in pace of play. Offensive line opened up 1.29 yards before contact. Bottom 10 in the NFL. You're running the game 57. You're running the ball 58% of the time. You know, but you're only opening up a yard and a half a game. You know, so I like I I don't know. Like you're telling me to sit here and buy this offense when week one they have to go to Indianapolis for Andrew Luck's first game in God knows how long. They get Baltimore at home, who I think is not as high as good as they might be, but I think they're better than the Bengals. They have to go then to Carolina and Atlanta back to back. They get Miami, who's going to suck fine, but then they get Pittsburgh, have to go to Kansas City, and then they get Tampa Bay at home. They come out of that by they go, they have New Orleans, and then have to go to Baltimore. And you look at their first, you know, ten games, and there's two that I can circle as wins, and the other eight I could almost see as losses. Mm. So you know, I look at their schedule; they're they're going to have to put up points if they're going to compete. And you know, you talk about, I mean, this is these are three teams playing for a wild card. Like the Steelers are winning this division, but. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Go ahead. But you know, I'm really sitting here on an Island. I think you guys. Should <laughs> to take on me. I think that's what this is. No, this but is excellent. No, we, we, yeah, we, we didn't post some of these things to like, you know, 20 minutes for recording when you start no. posting all this garbage that you think. And anyway, oh. podcasts are better if there's <laughs> podcasts are better if no, there's it is, disagreement it, it's fun, and stuff. It's fun anyway. to argue. Absolutely. But okay. Look, this is great. You have We're all just guessing. Yeah, I know. Seasons, absolutely. Absolutely. Zero playoff wins. 15 yeah, that's, seasons, that's zero in, playoff wins. That's it. You're plus 500 to make the playoffs. It is minus 700 right now to bet on the Bengals to miss the playoffs. And you just inked a new deal. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, no, no. Let's, I wish let's, I. Look, I I wish that I could be Marvin Lewis. If I could be shitty at my job for that many years and still get paid more and more, like, good for him. Like, good for him. I don't know what he has on them, but, like, it must be amazing. Mm. Because that's the only explanation for how someone that has had so few success for such a substantial amount of time has still has a job. But, no, I, I, I just can't see it with this team. I don't like their schedule. I don't like their offense. And, you know, I could see a point. And, like, if they have to bring in Matt Barkley, the season's over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it's it's over for them. And Yeah, you know, that's they, true. That's true. Okay, well, you've, you've successfully talked me out of really getting crazy on, like, an alt wins over on Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to just play them week in, week out. Um, I'm going to play them in, uh, in against teams that I think – uh, have vulnerabilities on the offensive line. That includes week one at Indianapolis. I like Cincinnati in that game. Uh, and it includes week three against Carolina. Um, Cincinnati will get extra rest off of Thursday night football before heading at Carolina. And uh, I think uh, 
the pass rush for the Bengals might be the difference in that game and get a win against Cam Newton and uh, Charlotte. Um, so we'll, uh, I'll, I'll cool my jets a little on Cincinnati uh, and just try to bet them in game. Um, let's move down the ladder and talk a little bit about the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Andy frame, frame this, frame this, some of the positive nature of this team for me. Oh, the biggest positive would be for Joe Flacco to fall down a well. And uh, maybe we can just hear, <laughs> no offense, Mr. Flacco, I'd feel terrible if that actually happened now. But I really would like to see Lamar. Um, they have some positives. They have a great defense. Quietly have a great defense. I think they have some good offensive weapons. I think they are working with a giant albatross around their neck. Is that what it is? When you when you have a, a Flacco contract like that? That's an albatross, yeah. That is an albatross. That is a problem. I don't I don't think that was a good idea. I think a lot I, I don't know if I was one of them. I'm not gonna toot my horn and say, oh I said I said it was terrible. But there was a lot of people that said, boy, that's a that's kind of a shitty contract for just one, you know, doing it one time like that. And they were right. Um, they played kind of an easiest schedule last year. I don't know if I, I'd have to double check if it gets that much tougher, but they were kind of a underperforming team, even even as a, a team that was almost going to make it into the playoffs last year. I think they can. I think they can definitely build on that. Uh, the they drafted. I'm trying to think who, who was the other. Uh, who was the other first round? Was it tight end? I got to double check that now. It was. It's Hayden. Yeah, it was the guy from South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. 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 Yep. Oh, they did that. They moved in. They took Lamar Jackson, which that speaks speaks volumes when you trade into the first round to get a quarterback. You get that extra year. I I really I really wonder what they're thinking. Like they've said, Flacco's our guy. But I, I wonder what's really going on behind closed doors if they think like if if they know that there's kind of a window here where the AFC is down. They have a good defense. They have some decent players around them, and Flacco hasn't been impressive at all. His his only move. He's like a shitty a shitty character from a video game who has one move, and it's to throw the ball deep and hope for pass interference. Which I'll grant it, he's good at that. He's very so good at that. I, I, yeah, they. Marty Morningweg, Greg Roman, Lamar Jackson, Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, so I see this going one of two ways for the Ravens this year. Uh, I don't know that it's going to take something pretty special for Lamar Jackson and company to take him to the Super Bowl this year, I think. Um, but I, I think you're talking about uh, they draft a quarterback in the air pair to Flacco. And that lights a fire under his ass. He apparently had the best preseason, uh, you know, the best off season of his life. He was actually, you know, doing workouts with his receiving core and trying to build some chemistry and trying to, you know, be prepared for the season to start. And that may pay off dividends. Like we saw with Alex Smith last year, they, Alex Smith, they draft Pat Mahomes behind him. Guy has the best season of his career. Um, you could see something like that from Flacco this year. He's obviously a guy that has gotten motivated when needed in the past. That's the reason he got the contract in the first place. Uh, you know, he bet on himself in that playoff run, and he, he cashed in uh, all the chips on that bet. Um, so, you know, I could I could see a scenario play out where we see a better version of Flacco than we've seen in years past. Combine that with the fact that you get a guy like Marshall Yanda back on your offensive line. You got an emerging, emerging threat at running back in Alex Collins. Uh, oh, by the way, 
a guy in Alex Collins that came out of nowhere, which is why you don't draft a running back with your second overall pick because you can find these guys everywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, they got Crabtree now in there, a wide receiver, who I like as a red zone threat. Uh, they got a tight end now to, you know, a young tight end who may or may not uh, be able to contribute right away. Uh, I think there's a lot of, lot of uh, uh, reasons to be optimistic about this Ravens team. And you, as you mentioned, they have a relatively stout and intact defense. Um, question really becomes, you know, does Flacco have the goods or does he continue to regress? And if it's B, then yeah, you're talking about like two and five, you know, three and six, switch, swap them out for Lamar Jackson. Let's see what the kids got and let's start getting ready for 2019. Um, where on the spectrum do you think the Ravens land BP if you had to guess? So, yeah, I, I just don't see it necessarily with this offense. I agree with Alex Collins, and I actually do really like Alex Collins. I mean, he gained five or more yards on 37% of his carries last year, which basically put him as the third highest rate in the NFL last year. I think that he's definitely the running back for the future, especially after they kind of struggled to solidify that position. Their offensive line was good, so Marshall Yonda coming back is obviously going to help that, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be tough for them to overcome Joe Flacco. And it's not just his contract. It's the fact of the matter is, is that since he's signed that contract, he's been just awful. I mean, he's averaged 6.5 yards attempt in attempt and has an 82.1 passer rating since he won that Super Bowl. Of the 46 quarterbacks that would qualify for that, he would finish 40th and 36th respectively in those two categories. So you're talking about he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league for a while now. I mean, he was dead last in the NFL last year in yards per attempt. Joe Flacco, who's only known for having a big arm, was dead last in yards per attempt. That's how bad he was. So I I think that when you look at this team, and yes, I think Lamar Jackson has a lot of skill. He's got a lot of talent, but there's also a reason why he slid. Through the first two games in the preseason, he's only throwing the ball at a 39.1% completion percentage. So, you know, he's got a lot of work to be done in reading defenses, becoming more accurate, kind of has to work through some of the same things, actually, that I think a Josh Allen's going to have to work through, which is understanding where to put the ball and finding a way to get the ball to receivers. And, you know, I could see a very real possibility where this team comes out, goes 2-0, and and then proceeds to lose their next seven games <laughs> going into a bye. Yeah, okay. They're going to go to Cincy, have Denver, and I think the Denver defense is going to eat up that offense. Then they go to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Tennessee, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, three weeks on the road. I'm not sure they can win any of those. They get to come home for the two out of the next three games, but they get New Orleans and Pittsburgh, and their road game in between that's Carolina. They mm-hmm. could lose all seven of those in a row, and then all of a sudden you're at the bye week, and you could be two and seven, and John Harbaugh could be the first coach fired as they move away from the Flacco era to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, go. So, so put a pin in, let's put a pin in that uh, and save that for your hot prediction or your hot take if you want uh, that uh, um, John Harbaugh is our first coach fired. Are there odds for that? Have you seen odds for that? There's odds I don't for know what, there's got to be odds. Yeah, for you know, I, I've bet on a bunch of coaches to be fired first already. So there's definitely odds on that. Okay. Well, we'll track that down and bring it, bring it full circle at the end. Um, Pittsburgh sits at the top, uh, likely look minus two forty, implying that they have like what, like a 70% chance of winning the NFC AFC North. 
Uh, it was minus three hundred a couple weeks ago. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's it, come down. Regardless, it's still awfully high in my book, given how the we saw this defense perform down the stretch last season and the very limited, if any, investment they made to improve their defense. What is it about this team that has you pretty confident that they're going to run away with the AFC North BP? I mean, I I, I don't even think that minus 260 is high enough, to be honest. Um, I, I think that this is so very clearly their division. And I, I, I think that, you know, I understand what you're saying about the defense. And a lot of that was that defense kind of did have to change on the fly last year they obviously lost the heart of their defense like early on in about as tragic of a way as you can possibly lose the heart of your defense but you know at the end of the day the Steelers come down to their offense and it comes down to the fact that you have a team with Big Ben Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and the fact of the matter is as long as you have those three guys on the field any team is going to have a problem against them you have the best running back in the league that helps you maintain the ball. It buys your defense time. It puts points on the board. And not only that, he's in there every single snap. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Le'Veon Bell who played 90% of snap share last year. That's 945 snaps for him. The only player to come close to him was Gurley, who played about 150 less snaps. And so, you know, you've also, that line stepped up last year for them. They were the best mm. pass protection group in the NFL. Their adjusted sack rate percentage was 3.9%. So you kind of put that together with the fact that you've got this offense. You now have Juju Smith-Schuster, who, by the way, was a steal last year, an mm-hmm. absolute steal. And he could be in the, like, Michael Gallup-type category. you know. And then you put him across from Antonio Brown. You have Le'Veon Bell. You know, that's really going to be tough for teams to match up with and to try and contain, let alone get after their defense, which is going to need to be better this year. But at the end of the day, like, I don't think, again, to win this division, this could be an 11 wins to win this division. And I think that this team is going to get there. When What do you think happens to them come playoff time if they do skate through the uh, AFC North? Oh, they can't beat the Patriots. We know that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they do this every year. Every year. And, yeah, and to add to that, now that now they can't beat the Jaguars either. <laughs> so they're they're pretty well dicked. Right, like, do you think they no, get revenge right? against the Jaguars in season? Jaguars come up on their schedule week eleven, that's, and they have to go down spot. to Florida. Yeah. Uh, and they're gonna have ten days between the game before that and that game. Yeah, they get and extra they rest after Carolina. From the yep. Playoff. yep. Yep. That that's a really, really unfortunate spot for Jacksonville. Um, I agree. I, I agreed. Then going to Denver after that is a problem. But you know, I, I do think they get the revenge on Jacksonville. And you know what? Like the Steelers are just regular season champs. Like they do this every single year and they continue to crank out these 12 and 4, 13 and 3 seasons. And Nothing has changed to make me think otherwise. I do think one thing worth noting, just to be fair, on the negative side, is their new offensive coordinator, Randy Fitcher, who's, you know, was their QB coach. I would, can you guys tell me when the last time he, you know, was calling plays on an offense? Oh man, was it like a high school team or something? 2006 <laughs> University of Memphis. Yikes. Okay. Well, right. years since. He, 
he called plays. But if you're ever to come back to it, having who he has on his offense is going to make it a whole lot easier. But that said, I will put that out there as the one thing that could kind of hamper them early on. I just think that this division outside of them is kind of weak, fringy, maybe, maybe not playoff teams, and then a legitimate playoff contender. Hmm. Okay. And I guess I'd like to uh, – a good point I'd like to touch on is that 2006 Memphis Tigers football team. <laughs> what? They, were, they went two and – if memory serves me right – Along with the Wikipedia page I have pulled up in front of me, they went two and ten that year, only beating Chattanooga and the absolute dumpster fire that was UTEP. Yeah, that is a that is a stupid little spot, like where that's a problem. But uh, do they have Le'Veon Bell? You, you do they have Antonio they, Brown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they have Antonio Brown? I guess the injury the injury today was nothing, but uh, Bell, the Bell holdout, uh, a thing I can't quite figure out. And I guess maybe it is the easiest thing in the world to figure out. It was just a, a case of somebody being a, a little bitch. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger, hey, I'm going to retire. I don't want to play anymore. And then, oh, I guess I'll, I'll come play another year. And then they draft a quarterback in, like, what, the third, fourth round? When did they get Rudolph? Third round? And he, uh, he, yes. yeah. he, he, and he, he bitched about it. Like, well, what are you doing drafting a quarterback? Dude, you said you were going to retire last year. I'm assuming that means you're going to retire at some point in the near future. We, we have to have somebody. So I didn't, I didn't like that, but I did, I did love how he, he kind of turned around and then he, he's had some nice things to say about Mason Rudolph after the, after the preseason game. Uh, yeah, that, hmm. that, that, that was a little worrisome for me when he, he has brought that up a couple times where I'm not sure if I want to play anymore. He's always banged up, but never completely injured. He's always just kind of halfway banged up because he's just a big fat bodied quarterback, but you can't deny their offense is good. And then the same, on the same turn, you can't deny the defense is not, it's going to be a bit of an issue. They're going to be kind of like a couple other teams we talked about, maybe, maybe similar to the giants, but with a, a better, a little better situation, they need that offense to carry them because the defense is not going to be a top, uh, you know, a top uh, squad in the league. Wow. Okay. And I, and I don't love the coach. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, I think that the, and AFC North is a story of three head coaches uh, who probably should have been fired off last offseason and who were retained. Uh, and you know you're gonna be you're gonna be limiting your likelihood of winning the Super Bowl as a team that's as talented on offense as the Steelers or uh, a team that's invested as much in draft capital as the Browns uh, by retaining these guys. Um, and it's really a shame because I'd like the league overall to be more competitive. And these are some fun teams to cheer for and watch. So let's hope that uh, they exceed expectations this, uh, this season. And uh, with that, let's wrap this up, put it up for the people. You got a hot, uh, any hot predictions on the way out the door, Andy Ravens plus four fifty to win the division. Ooh, nice number. Lock it up. I, I mean, I've already bet it. That's just something I bet. I, I like them. I just think it's a little overvalued on the Steelers the way their defense is, and I mean they could they could win thirteen games with that offense. It's just the, the AFC is kind of 
kind of wacky right now. I that's about as hot of the take as I'm going to get on the AFC North. Uh, okay. just, you know, I'd like to thank BP for taking the time for us this evening and coming and being a really good guest. Just giving yep. you someone to disagree with, you know. What's your hot take? So you gonna stick with the uh, Harbaugh to be the first coach fired, or do you like something else in the AFC North? I mean, I, I think that the Browns finishing seconds probably is hot of a take. So that is pretty good. That is pretty as, good. as I'm going to get here because you know the, the, I just don't have enough conviction around the Ravens, um, and I, I think the Bengals finished last in this division. I, I, I do. I, I don't see a way <laughs> they're not the worst team in this division. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I'll stick with the Browns uh, finishing second. Wow. Okay. All right. I, uh, I'm going to go a different direction. And this is fascinating that we're all kind of all over the place here. Um, I don't think the Steelers make the playoffs. I think that there are, I think there are too many red flags, uh, about health and, you know, Le'Veon Bell, you brought up great points about how important he is. Uh, I worry about this, you know, extended holdout again. Um, and, uh, you know, Antonio Brown is kind of the key in, in my opinion, uh, even beyond, uh, Le'Veon Bell. And I worry about how many things he's taken this off season or this preseason. Um, and all of that is secondary to the fact that the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers to me looks like a bottom 10 unit, maybe bottom five. Um, I thought they completely whiffed on, you know, where they went. Uh, in the off season to try to shore up things. And um, there's more of a, sl- there's there, they are, uh, they are worse than people realize even after giving up 40, some 45 points to the Jaguars at home in the playoffs last year. Uh, they couldn't stop Brent Hundley. They couldn't stop Joe Flacco. Uh, they, you know, this, this team has conceded um, way too many points in yards uh, for a team that I think has, you know, hopes to make the playoffs. And I think the poor, poor play on the part of the Steelers defense keeps them, let's say one win shy of a wild card spot and, uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati fight it out to win the North. <laughs> so I'm, I'm way, way, uh, on the other side of the uh, spectrum from BP. So this will be fun to see how it plays out. Um, thanks again for your time today, BP. I uh, greatly appreciate it. And, uh, it was fun to kind of go in a different direction because we're usually, uh, you know, we usually uh, all rode in the same direction. It's fun to uh, fun to spice things up and get some some different takes. And hopefully, the folks at home enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed it recording it. And uh, best of luck this season. Best of luck. <laughs>